everybody, Ryan Molly here, and thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is going to be really cool. Um, he's a local legend in the Erie area. He's done everything from coaching teams to Final Fours in soccer for Division Two, and we're going to talk about the details of that team. So all you guys, your names are going to be listed in the show notes. You definitely want to tune in and share this with your friends. Um, he's been a local restaurateur. He's opened multiple bars, restaurants, uh, the Pick 6 uh, what I would call franchise. I mean, there's multiple locations in Erie and literally I was um, asking my guest what he wants. And he said, I want this. And it happened to be from his brewery. And my buddy was able to go and pick that up. So this week's guest, John Melody, you may have guessed it from my intro, but stick around. It's going to be a great show. You're not going to miss it and make sure to share it with all your friends and uh, we'll see you soon. Everybody. Welcome to Hey Sawbones, my story, my passion. I'm Dr. Ryan Molly, orthopedic surgeon, cutter of bones, businessman, entrepreneur, but most importantly, loving husband and father of three young and very busy boys. And today, I'm really excited and blessed to have uh, our guest today. He's um, a guy that I've looked up to for 20 some years. He's very, very entrepreneurial. Um, I think I've gotten some of my entrepreneurial spirits and ideas from him. Um, but he's done so many things that are very cool and successful in his life. Um, I like to consider him almost a transplant local legend. He wasn't born here, but this is now his home. And um, he's our first, uh, actually, he's our second guest that was not born in this country, but uh, now resides in this country and works in this country and thrives in this country. So without further ado, Mr. John Melody. So how are you? Thanks for having me on. Of course. Thank you for doing this. Not a problem. So, John, um, the way that we always start this out is kind of, as I was mentioning before, just like the 30,000-foot view. Right. Let, let's let's learn a little bit more about John Melody, because when people hear you, they're going to hear that you don't have an American accent. Not yet. Not yet. Right. We're, we're still working on that? <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Keeping this one. Yeah. Yeah. Yours sounds way cooler and probably right. more intelligent just than different. Mine. Just different. That's all. But, you know, born in uh, in Ireland. Yep. Right? And just, just give our viewers just kind of like where you're from. You kind of your brief history, and then we'll dive yeah. into some of the details as we get a little deeper. 
Yeah, so, you know, born in Ireland in the, you know, I suppose we divulge our age, do we? You know, late 60s, that's all I'm going to say. Born in Ireland, <laughs> late 60s. Um, you know, grew up, you know, just typical, you know, Irish kid, you know, played every sport in the book. And fortunately enough, you know, going through school, never a good student by any stretch of the imagination, but then was fortunate enough to get a soccer scholarship to Mercyhurst right here in Erie in 1986. And then, you know, came over, played soccer, graduated um, four and four years and one term later. And, uh, you know, had a good experience, you know, it's really part of the growing up process, being away from home. First time I was ever on a plane was when I came to the States. So, you know, you just think back to the, the mid-late 80s and, and even trying to have contact with home and all those kind of things was very, very difficult. And but there was no internet at that no point. No internet. I mean, the, the phone was at the end of, you know, the dorm and, you know, you couldn't get the had quarters. Had attached it. to it. Well, you couldn't get a, not even that, it was payphone, you know. Oh, wow. You, know, you couldn't get the quarters in the phone quick enough to keep the line open to Ireland. You know what I mean? So it yeah. was it was it was unique to say the least. But you weren't calling your your family collect. Um, they, they wouldn't accept the charges. You know <laughs> what I mean? So yeah, you know they're like don't want to talk to him. But uh, yeah, so did that, and then you know I was fortunate enough to you know to, I graduated, then I got a I went back home. You know it was kind of it was it was ninety 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 one when went back home, and that's when the Gulf War had broken out actually. Uh-huh. So at that point yeah. it was like you know what's going to happen here? The world was in a little bit of turmoil, so. Um, was home kind of figuring out, will I go back to the States? I'd had a job offer here um, from, I'm not sure if it was Hyatt or Marriott, but I graduated in hotel restaurant management. So yeah. um had that offer, that training program <coughs> offer. I was kind of putting it on hold. And then one day the phone rang and I got offered a job, um, you know, managing a small private hotel in, in the West Indies on the island of Antigua. So, <laughs> you know, I remember saying to the guy who, who made the offer, I was like, you know, can I have a couple of days to think about it? You know, this was a Monday. And he goes, well, I'll call you Wednesday. And if you say yes, Wednesday, you're leaving Friday. And I was down in the West. So I flew to Boston to meet him and then down to the West how, Indies. How did the they even day. hear of John Melody? Well, it's, it, you know, that's a long story of, of, you know, when I was here at Mercyhurst, you know, for anybody who knows what Gaelic football is and hurling is, there are national sports. Okay. So very, very big in New York and Philadelphia and some of the Irish stronghold cities around the country. So I played for, for, you know, many years, you know, flying back and forth, you know. Um, so not just soccer. You not were just soccer, yeah. I was playing these other sports as well, yeah. So I was fortunate enough then that the, at that point you had to go through a travel agent to get a flight, and that travel agent worked for a tour company who owned this hotel. Wow. So that's how it all happened. So, yeah, I met him. I'd talked to him on the phone for years. I'd never met the guy. Ironically, he was from my hometown in Dungarvan as well. So when we got on the phone, we talked about flights, but we would talk about home and we would chat and we just be kind of came. Was he down in the West Indies? No, he was based in Boston working for that tour company. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, he he came down to um, Antigua with me and I think he left three days later and said, see ya, you're on your own. I was 22, 23. Wow. So yeah, spent three years there and, uh, you know, there was, I mean, I could talk all day. I have a separate podcast about my experience in the West Indies, which was wonderful, by the way. I have nothing but good things to say about the place. Wow. And um, so then back home, I always said when I was 26, I would go back home. You know, what, for what whatever. was magical about 26? I, I don't know. I just like, you know, I've kind of seen it. I'm old enough. Maybe I'll, you know, we'll see how it goes. But it was always in my head from the day I left. I'll move back home when I'm 26. But I wasn't home six, seven months when, when Mercier's called and said, hey, we're looking at making a coaching change. And uh, would you be interested in coaching college soccer? So Had you been in, staying in touch with them? Um, not, not, not an awful lot other than I would have been back at Mercyhurst every now and then, you know what I mean? Anytime you, you got a chance to go there, I mean, I'm, I'm always grateful for the, for the opportunity I got from them. Yeah. Um, you know, so when, you know, Ireland was a, a reasonably depressed place in the mid eighties, emigration was very high job, unemployment rate was in the twenties, probably oh, wow. 20 percentile. So to get that opportunity was, you know, it's, you know, 
many 37 years later i think it is it's still not lost on me what a good opportunity it was wow yeah so west indies three years back to ireland for a year and almost then, a year yeah then yeah. you moved to the states and, and back, back to erie pennsylvania yeah, back to erie pennsylvania in may of 94 and um yeah so here i am <laughs> you know however many years later that is and yeah. and i'm going to get some, into some questions because we um, when you were a coach at Mercer's, our time yeah. overlapped, and yeah. that was my first exposure to you. And um, you know, we had you had players that were my roommates and and things like that. But um, my next question for you is: Are you thirsty? Um, yeah, sure. I'm always so, thirsty, I suppose. So yeah. you know, I asked you what your favorite cocktail is or, or drink is, right. and um, and we'll get into some of this. But you, you are you own several restaurants in the area. Yeah, you also own this place called. John Russell Brewery, right? Correct. Right. John Russell Brewing Company, yes. So, yeah. um, and you're are you an IPA guy? Like, or is I am. I, I literally I went from I think when I got to the states. I mean, it was you know whatever when you're in college, pretty much. But I was always, I won't say a beer snob, but I, I mean, I wouldn't drink some of the stuff that people drank in college. It was it was very much like that. But then you're on to your Labatt, and then Guinness is always a favorite of mine. But I think I literally went from Guinness to to IPAs. Really? And yeah, I mean, there was no in between for me, and I am. Just you know, a big, hop a head. Big, yeah, I am a big hazy hop head at this point. Do you like the yeah. fruity IPAs or? Yeah, no, more citrusy. I mean, I, you know, just citrusy and hazy is my thing at the moment. I will always fall back to Guinness, um, just because it is. Does it, does it, it bring you back to like the homeland? Yeah, type it's of thing, just or? just a good beer. I mean, it's kind of the gateway to craft beer in a lot of ways. I would agree. And, and then, um, you know, and and quite honestly, Labatt Blue is is you know, it's, it's everywhere. So if you're if you're out and about and there's not many options, then that's always a good one too. So when you opened John Russell Brewery, our brewing company, um, you created this particular IPA. What's it called? Uh, Pursue Your Happiness. Well, that's what I yeah. got for you. Did you actually go down and get some of that? I did. Did you? <laughs> that was a shameless plug, wasn't it? Yeah. All right. Well, perfect. Yeah. So I actually had my good uh, friend and my uh, chief operating officer, who you know, Sean yeah, yeah. McKinnon. Right. He was, uh, he was helping me out. And I said, I was in clinic today. I said, I don't have time for this. Um, so this is pursue your happiness. And yeah. I, I didn't even know he's like, all they have is crowlers. I'm like, what the heck's a crowler? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking a growler, like a, a, a bottle. So is, was this filled just today then? That was just filled straight from the draft system today. And, and then they just put this. Yeah. And it's sealed. So, you know, that's probably good in your fridge. I mean, some people will say, you know, a week or 10 days, I'm saying four or five days, it'll be fine in four or five days. Oh, so, so we need yeah. to drink this. Yeah. I mean, we're not, uh, we're not leaving till that's so, all gone. Okay. Yeah. Well, he bought th- he bought three of these. So, oh, are, okay, so, okay, <laughs> are you staying until we drink yeah. all those? Because you may not be making it to work. Right, later, right. Well, I'm supposed to go to work, but sure, we'll see how that goes. Thankfully, we have enough. Uh, I'm, I'm pouring a lot of good people working first. Good lord. Yeah, I'm pouring foam in here. Although you know what, and you're the beer guy, but I'll bring that up later. One of my buddies was trying to somehow tell me that. Um, when you, when you pour a beer, you're not supposed to tilt it. You're supposed to actually uh, let it foam up. You know who it was? It was that John Taffer. Or is yeah. it Taffer? John Taffer, yeah. He, he does yeah. the bar rescue. Yeah, no, no, I know who you're talking about. I mean, I got to tell you a funny story about him in a minute. But not him, but it's people who watch his show who would. I'll drink would, that would, one, yeah. that's a horrible pour. That's all right. Listen, how do you want me to pour it like this? Yeah, no, no, down the side, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that's how I would pour I mean, it. just, but. you know, slow and steady wins the race every time. Yeah, I kind of want yours because there's a lot less foam and it'll settle down in a second. It's all good. You want a little bit of head on there? Yep, absolutely. There you go. That's yeah. You're nearly there. Perfect. 
Thank you very much indeed. So, well, let's let's cheers this here. Yeah, yeah. So, cheers. Thank Appreciate you. that. Thank not, you. Not yeah. so ergonomic, right? Yeah. You're having to reach back there. Ooh, that's tasty. Yeah, so was that like your recipe? Did you? What is it's not. I mean, we 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 hired a master brewer. You know, John Russell came from. Obviously, I'm John. My business partner is Russell Stackwitz, local Erie guy. Yeah. So we just put the two first names together, and that's what we came up with. You know, we're not very creative, so that's that's where it is, and it works. And you know, it's we hired a, a you know a really good brewer. We really wanted to have good beers right out of the gate, and I think we've achieved that. So, you know, this is just one that you talk about what you want and. So on and so forth, and, 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 and you know what will sell. I mean, you know, IPAs I guess what, are when still, you were yeah. thinking about this particular beer, what what were your kind of tasting notes that you told him? Like, hey, I would like this. I would like this. Yeah, hazy and and hoppy, and um, you know, it's 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 not really a New England IPA, even though it is a hazy IPA. It's you know, so it's we're almost calling it a kind 6. of six point eight ABV. Yeah, What's yeah. the IBUs on this? IBUs on that. It's not crazy hoppy, but it's still. Would you be in the forties? Yeah, you know, higher sixties. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it's it's um, it's just a good, and you know, six point two. It's not killer. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's it's good. Most it's people good. believe it's pretty high, but not. Yeah. I, I would agree. Yeah. So I'm an IPA guy myself. So I, when you said that, I was like, perfect. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, well, I mean, I was I was thinking that when he said, "What kind of beer do you drink?" I'm like, "Does he want to get beer?" So I'm like, "Well, I'm definitely not going to say Guinness." Because you can only drink that in the pub, as far as I'm concerned. That yeah, I do have a can right of. You know who I did that with? Yeah. Was Joe Spano. Right. That's fair. Oh. He's Italian. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So the format, um, as we always do, it, is six questions. Yes. Three personal. Or I'm sorry, three business, then three personal. I always have my guests go first, and then we'll turn the tables. The one caveat that I will share with you is that you do have the ability, if I ask you a question that you don't want to answer, you can right. veto it. Yeah, yeah. You get one veto. Okay. And you are episode 16 or 17, and, and we've had zero vetoes right. so far. So well, no, no yeah. pressure. To no, you. but I mean, Happy to veto then. Someone, <laughs> You'd be the first start, right? Yeah. So fire away. So um, you know, it's funny. I was just thinking about you as I was pulling into the subdivision here. I see a lady walking down the road with a limp. I'm like, I wonder if she's going to see Ryan Molly. Um, <laughs> you know, and I've had I'm knee. Op- I've, sorry, I've had knee operations. I've had a hip operation. Which to you is kind of, I suppose, from a professional point of view, is 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 more debilitating, and which is easier to fix. And which is, which can you kind of prolong a little longer? Which is more kind of um, durable for one? Because, I mean, I think I'm on the verge of almost hip replacement. We've talked so about what, this before. Yeah, I can't remember. What was your hip surgery? Um, it's just a laparoscopic type thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you pull the leg out, you yep. stitch up a little bit, you put it back in, right? Something yeah, you like had that. like an, a hip arthroscopy. Yeah. That you yeah, had. yeah. Okay. So I think the first part of your question was, like, which can you live with more, yeah. right? Hip or knee arthritis. And... It's interesting, uh, but I would say that most people with bad hip arthritis are miserable, absolutely miserable. People with bad knee arthritis, they're bad, but they kind of live with it. Right. Like, And they come in and they've been like, I've been dealing with this for 20 years. But hip arthritis, once that, that straw breaks that camel's back, they, they get to the point where they can't function anymore and they get debilitated very quickly. They're coming in with walkers, crutches, canes, whereas the knees, they wobble along, but they're not. They're, they're not so debilitated that they're immobile. Right. In terms of, I think the second part of your question was like, um, 
the the fix like which one is did you ask which one was easier yeah to fix? which is like if so if you you know you go, you go into surgery and you're in there all day and you go okay i got three hips three knees which like, which is okay. a pretty typical day for me yeah, i yeah. mean i do six cases a yeah. day and um and i and it's about half half yeah um are the hips easier or are the knees easier I, it it depends yeah. right so like you can have an easy hip and you can have an easy knee or you can have a really really hard hip or a really hard knee I will say that there's more steps to a knee. There's there's probably 120 steps to a knee, right. like the recipe. You got to do this, then you got to do this, then you got to do this, then you got to do this. The hip, the, the longest part is the surgical dissection, the way that I do it without cutting muscles through the direct anterior. And that probably takes me, my, my hip replacements take me 40, 45 minutes to do. Right. And probably 15 to 20 minutes is me cutting the skin and getting down to the hip joint. Once I get down there, it goes pretty quick. Right. Uh, we cut the ball off, we ream the socket, put a shell in, and we expose the femur and put a stem in there. Yeah, just like that. It, it, I mean, it sounds like easy, a pizza. And, yeah. and it's not easy to do, particularly from the front. But um, but then a knee, I would say, is I, I would say a hip is a little bit more uh, mentally draining. Okay. Because you're in the pelvis. There's a lot of vital organs there, right? If you go into the pelvis, there's huge blood vessels. There's the bladder. There's the colon. So it's a little bit more butt puckering, so to speak. And and I think the complications with a hip, you can fracture the femur much easier than you can fracture a knee. Yeah, yeah. Um, hips can dislocate. Fortunately, the way that I do it, I, I haven't had a dislocation in 15 years right. uh, from primary hips. Um, knee replacements, though, I think are more physically taxing because they take me about the same amount of time, but I'm, I'm bending, I'm twisting, I'm um, manipulating my body in such a way right. to see things with a knee that I don't necessarily have to do with a hip. And uh, they used to be even more physically taxing, but as you get older, you start to learn ways to do things a little bit more ergonomically um, in, in, in your favor. And uh, one of the things that I started doing that I've actually never seen anybody else do, but I started doing what's called a hanging leg holder total knee replacement where I actually put a, a bolster underneath the thigh and the leg is literally hanging because before it was on a table and we'd have to physically lift it, manipulate it. My assistants would. So it was really physically draining on everybody yeah, in the yeah. operating room. Now it's much easier. And I actually raised the bed up. So it's at my eye, my eye level. Because right. I do suffer from bad yeah, arthritis yeah. in my neck. I can't really turn to the left too well. I can turn to the right better. Um, my neck hurts me every single day. It's just from what I do. Yeah. It's a very common thing with surgeons because right. we're constantly looking down. Right. So the more I can do at my eye level, the better. Recovery. Hips are way easier to come back from than a knee. Uh, at six weeks, most of my hip patients say, I forgot I had a hip replacement. My knee replacement patients, they're not nearly that far along or that happy at six weeks. Right. I think we're getting better with knees, but knees are trickier mechanically. The hip is a ball and socket joint. You put a new socket in, put a new ball in. The knee, everybody thinks of it a hinge joint, but it's not. I mean, it bends and it, it, or flexes and extends or straightens, but it twists, it rotates, it distracts it compresses and it slides it translates so to recreate the normal kinematics of a knee from a, a biomechanical engineering standpoint or from a surgeon standpoint surgical technique standpoint way more challenging than putting a new ball and socket in so right yeah that's busy it's fun though yeah it's it's, it's like my my restaurant business right. for you it's, yeah, it's yeah. my passion well it's not fun every day is it because i know the restaurant business isn't fun every day 
And I mean, I'd be lying to you to say yeah. that, you know, but I, I, yeah. honestly, Sunday rolls around. I am ex- Sunday night rolls around. I'm excited about yeah, the next yeah, day. I yeah. love going to work. Um, are there days or cases where it's a little draining? Um, absolutely. But for the most part, I feel extremely blessed and um, I love going to work. I'd say at least 90, 95% of my yeah, days. Yeah, that's credible. Yeah. How many years have you been a doctor? So, well, so you get your title of physician when right. you graduate from medical school, and that was 2005. So coming up on 20 years yeah, yeah. or 19 years. Um, but then you have to do a residency. Different forms. Of, so family practice or uh, would be a three-year residency. Most like medical residencies are about three years. Most surgical residencies are about four to five years. So orthopedic surgery is a five-year residency. So it was undergrad for four years. It was medical school for four years. It was residency for five years, and then I chose to do an additional year of fellowship, um, and I specialized just in hip and knee replacements, and I did that for one year down in Columbus, and um, you know, so I got I finished that in in June of 2011, and I started practice actually before I was supposed to end my fellowship because I didn't take any vacations, and right. I was just eager to start. Most people. Uh, take a month off because that's the last time you can take yeah, a month yeah. off before for you start your practice for, a while. for life. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was just ready to go. Yeah. I think you know me well enough now. Yeah, yeah. I run it pretty high octane. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, am I supposed to ask you another question? You're asking yeah, me a no, question. We'll do you ask me six, three uh, business, three personal, then I'll turn the table and ask all six to you. Okay. How do you maximize your business? And when I mean that, I mean, I know from, you know, being in your place in, in Meadville, it's like, you're, you know, you have a coffee shop there. And, but how do, you, how do you maximize, how do you scale it to get to, to the level that you need to get to? I mean, is that, more, is that more offices? Is that more, you know, which comes along with more staff? It's, it's like us when we grow, you know, there's, you know, the economies of scale that come along with it, you know what I mean? And when, you know, when do we know as, you know, I, I don't even like the word entrepreneur in some ways, to be quite honest. I don't like to be called an entrepreneur because I just feel like... I'm sorry if I offended you. No, no, <laughs> it's, it, but it's, it's I, I always feel like that's for you know, maybe other people. I mean, I don't mean that derogatory in any way, shape or form, but, you know, where I am today was never my plan. It just kind of happened. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's not like I sat down and went, I'm going to do all of this. It's just like the next opportunity came along and the next opportunity came along. And you just, okay, we'll take that one. We'll pass on that one. We'll take this one and... And this, you know, is what gets us where we are today. But, right. Uh, you know, so, you know, do you do you consciously think of that all the time? Like, what's the next it, avenue? What's the next level? What else am I going to get involved in? Because with all due respects, sometimes I think doctors, they think, oh, I'd love to have a restaurant. I'd love to have a bar. And, you know, some do, some don't. Yeah. yeah. And then they fail miserably. Or- <laughs> I didn't want to say that part. <laughs> but, I, but I think it's never, it's not easy. You know yeah, what I mean? No. And I think sometimes and I didn't on the outside that. looking in, our business is is not easy, but I think people are like it's kind of cool, and but there's a, there's a there's an awful lot that goes into it. Oh my gosh! So, so yeah. So how do you how do you do you consciously think about this? Do you do you kind of go, what's my next move? Are you driving forty minutes in now to Meadville, going, what's the next move? What's the next move? I, well, my brain has never really stopped. Yeah. Like my wife knows this. My very closest friends know that I'm always. It's not intentional though. I'm not like all right. I need to do something next, but. I'm always, from the time I was a kid, I was like, how can I do it better, right? And it may just be what I'm already doing. Like literally a month ago, I just changed the way that I was doing my knee replacements because my hip replacements were always technically minimally invasive. I did, which minimally invasive, everybody gets this, uh, they don't understand. 
uh, the definition of minimal is the least amount necessary. So if I can do a hip replacement without cutting muscles, or I could do a hip replacement with cutting muscles, why would I cut the muscles? Because I can do one w- with the least amount of invasiveness. Right. Um, so that's technically minimally. Um, so knees, I've never really even thought about. I was just like, no, there's no way to really do it without cutting muscles or tendons. Um, and then just over the past several months, I was just like, how do I do this better? Because there's always things that I'm looking at with, and I'm a, I'm a detail guy. And I'm like, all right, 5 to 10% of my knee patients have this problem with their kneecap, their patella tilting out after a knee replacement. How do I fix that? And and no one's come up with a solution yet. So it's like this ever elusive, like, how do I get my knees to feel like my hips where they forget about it? And I think, I think we're getting close. Um, and I was like, all right, one thing I can do is I can change my surgical approach. It's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. It's a learning curve. It's going to slow me down, at least initially. And I'll tell you, after a month, I'm right about at the same time during surgery that I was before surgery. So we, it's fun because I get to figure it out. I love problem solving. Absolutely love problem solving. Um, I, I, I get some cheesy quotes in my head that I think of and I tell my boys all the time. But I said, boys, wherever there's a problem, there's always a solution. I said, it may not be an easy solution. It may be very challenging, may be very difficult, may be very painful, but there's a solution. 100% of the time. Um, and so that that's like my mentality. So is it conscious? The only conscious thing that I can say, honestly, is like I always want to get better, right? So um, I created a concierge program for patients a couple years ago as a means to provide a more upscale uh, recovery process. And, and my goal was to like almost make hip and knee replacement surgery, something you look forward to in a really weird, freaking twisted way. I don't mean that if you don't have knee arthritis, you want to just come and get it. But like, maybe you're less anxious. Maybe you're less scared. Maybe you're less apprehensive. And you're more like, wow, I can do this. And Dr. Molly is doing all these things to help reduce my pain before surgery. One thing we started six months ago, totally new. Uh, We were doing cryoneurolysis where we go in and we actually freeze the nerves that supply uh, sensation to the knee and we do that two and a half weeks before knee replacement surgery it has been shown in the data to reduce our patient's post-operative pain by 50 percent wow and the need for post-operative opioids or narcotics narcotics by 50 percent these are real numbers it's not five percent yeah yeah 50 and multiple studies have shown that and i can tell you anecdotally with six months under my belt that it has been very very successful on, on those patients so I always love new projects. One of my other sayings, uh, quotes, uh, and I use this today with a patient because I was talking about, I did her one knee, one way, six months ago. And I said, your scar is going to be a little cockeyed. I just want you to know that I haven't been drinking, but I changed my surgical approach, right? So instead of being straight down the middle, it's going to be a little oblique. Right. And that's because I started coming underneath the muscle to do a truly minimum invasive muscle sparing knee replacement. And I said... This is the same thing I tell my staff and the same thing I tell my patients. If I'm doing what I'm doing right now in five years, I'm doing something wrong. I am a lifelong student. I need to continue to improve, whether it's my day job, whether it's my my being a husband, whether it's my being a, a father. I want to be better tomorrow than I am today. I know people say that all the time, but like little bits at a time, if I can do that at the end of the day, I can sleep much better because I knew that I gave it everything I had that day to improve. Fair, fair. So now that you've exuded the passion for the medical business, yeah, what would you be if you weren't a doctor? Love that question. Has um, that been asked before? It has, and you know, sometimes it changes. Yeah. But um, so, 
you've been to my house now. You've been to my office now. Um, and you've talked to me on a couple different occasions that, you know, I've, I've reached out to you for your advice on our cafe. Um, if there's one thing that people know about me is if I'm going to do something, it's like go big or go home. And I don't, I'm not going to just open up this little shoebox office that looks like every other medical practice that just feels very cold, very sterile, very blah. Um, I want it to be unique. I want it to be fun. I want it to be an expression of who I am. And I'm a country boy. I, I came from the country. So like, there's a lot of things to me that speak to me, like nature-wise, wood, stone, see it here you see it in my office and um so i would probably be an architect or um some type of designer i love to build things i love to create things and um to me it's in the it's the details it's the little thing like that little nub of wood coming out there from that beam that was pulled out of a barn that was 150 years old right you did i didn't want a straight beam that didn't have that there's there's just little things like that so like you said details Yep. Every day in the bar business, it's, 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 yeah, it's detailed. And you, I love, like, especially what your latest, well, probably not even your latest project now. You probably have stuff after that, but just your oyster house. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is the latest project. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. but your tile. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm the guy walking yeah. in. I'm walking yeah. in your bathroom. I see the tile. I see the color of your bar chairs and your, like that green. Dude. Yeah. That popped to me. It, it, well, it is. It is a pop, you know, what makes it a little bit different. You know yeah. What I mean? And, um, and some people are like, ooh, like, but yeah. it, it I gets you to guy. react. <laughs> You know, and people have been very complimentary, which is really nice. But I did have one guy tell me it looked like uh, the lobby of a Howard Johnson once. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, you obviously don't get out very much. And, um, <laughs> you're showing your age now as well. So, but uh, yeah, that was, it was just kind of funny. But that was the only negative I've really had, like directly to me. You know, I mean, there's keyboard warriors. We all know that. Oh, but, yeah. Like directly, he's like, looks like a Howard Johnson. Like, you need to get out more. You should have been like, yeah. that's the look I was yeah. going for. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it took me a second. You know, but it was just kind of funny. Yeah, that's what I got. All right. So personal que- questions? Personal questions. You're from Meadville. No, not Meadville. Titusville, right? Is uh, it Townville. Grew Town- up in the middle. Jesus, so that? Townville's right between Meadville and Titusville. Right, right. How and they, far is they it had to get Meadville? so creative right. that they didn't know what to call the town, so they just called it Townville. Right, right. Um, so Townville is east of Meadville by about 15 to 20 minutes. Okay. How far but, from Meadville to Titusville? Um, half an hour then if it's right in the middle. Yeah, yeah about yeah, half yeah. hour, 35 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously you could have gone to many colleges and universities. Why did you choose Mercyhurst at that time? Uh, it's funny that you asked this. I was just talking about this last night. I had a business meeting. Uh, I was at Hunter's Inn in Frenchtown, Pennsylvania. Is a local bar. Has the best chicken wings I've ever had in my entire life. Right. Are you a chicken wing guy? I am. You and I, I need am. to go there sometime. Okay. Right? But we're going to drink. We're not drinking Guinness. We're not drinking IPAs. No, no. This You drink Stroh's there. Um, I'll have the wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> will you do some yangling at least? I will, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, we'll do yangling. Yeah. So uh, on the way back, I was driving, we were driving back into Meadville, and, and you know, he asked me, he's like, so you went to Mercyhurst? Um, and, and we're driving through Meadville, and he goes, isn't Allegheny College here? I was like, yeah, it's right over there. It's behind us. Uh, my sister works there. And I said, when I came out, I really only looked at three schools because my family was so important to me, and I wanted to be close to home. So I looked at Allegheny College. It was too close to home. I mean, it was right there. Right. I probably wouldn't have even thought of like living on campus and I would have commuted and I would have been miserable because like, I wouldn't have gotten that experience. So then I thought of Grove City, Grove City. And, um, you know, I thought about potentially playing basketball uh, in college. I was like, I, I could probably play there. Um, they, I, 
I, my plans weren't to become a physician. I, I wanted to become a chiropractor. So um, I wanted to get some type of education that focused on the musculoskeletal system. And it was like, okay, I could do that at Grove State. It's a good school academically, but they were a little too strict, right? So I was like, I want to be able to have some fun and not feel like I have to have a shoe in the door or no alcohol on campus and, and things like that. So then Mercyhurst was my uh, third. It wasn't my third choice, but it was my the third school I was looking at. And it hit everything for me. It was the right distance from home. It was 45 minutes, 50 minutes. So I didn't feel like I had to be home every weekend. Um, my sister was a senior there when I was a, a freshman okay. there and she played basketball there. So um, it was first year, half, half off tuition. Yeah. Yeah. That helps a lot. Right. Especially when you're, you're, you're coming in and um, my help, parents helped a, a little bit, but um, I got some scholarships and um, it, you know, I, I still had some student loan at the end of the day. So that, that helped. And then my best friend, Jared Oaks, was there. And they had this interesting program called Athletic Training. Okay. So you grew up together, you and Jared yeah. Oaks. Okay. I, I always thought he was from Cleveland. No. No. Okay. No. So we grew right. up, went to Maple together. He was one year ahead of me. Right. We went to the same church, which is where we really started to get to know each other. We taught Sunday school together. Um, we played basketball together. Uh, we ended up going to Mercer's together. We ended up. Um, being the best men in each other's weddings. We both met girls from Metro Detroit and somehow moved them out of Detroit to different locations, me back to Erie. Right. And Jared, Cleveland was nice because it was a halfway yeah. for her and for, for him. So, and, and, but the Mercyhurst was, it just started hitting all the things. And I just, I, I like the fact that it was a, it was a Catholic school too. Um, Grove City was a Christian school, but, but not Catholic. And it just felt right. It was a beautiful campus. Um, I liked the vibe. My best friend's there. My sister's there. I felt comfortable there. It, was a, it wasn't five hours away. I could get home if I needed to. And they had a great athletic training program that would really, really prepare me for like chiropractic school. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because my, obviously my dad, I went further away and that was not planned. But again, like I said earlier on, it was just an opportunity. Yeah. You know, so sometimes you just got to take it no matter you know, how far you have to go. I don't know if I... I can't wait to delve yeah. into that because well, that's going to be one of my questions right, for you. Right, right. Yeah, I know. I can feel that one coming. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, you know, for me, for Mercier's too, I mean, it's... it, it, it Obviously, it gave us both, you know, great opportunity, great a great start. I mean, and I would have known, you know, the people you were talking about that, you know, had, you know, ran the sports medicine program at the time. I mean, yeah. you know... Brad, Brad Jacobson, Jacobson for love sure. you, right? You know, absolutely. One of the best guys you could possibly meet. Sue yeah. Gushy at the yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, Sue, Sue Sweeney, Sweeney now. now. Yeah, yeah. Um, amazing. Janet Price. Uh, she was older, but she um, she's no longer there. Yeah. And, and she she yeah. did a great job with her tennis too. coach, I think, at one point. Yeah, 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 yeah I yeah, believe yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. I think she was a nun at one point. Oh, was she? Too. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, that explains a lot then. Yeah, yeah perfect. <laughs> right. Did you ask her on a date or what? No, no. She's a little older. She's a little older. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so who else was there that... I mean, there were always the trainers, but those were my main, like, yeah. teachers. Still, yeah, and right? still there and still doing an incredible job. Yeah, I think Sue's transition a little bit more into... Yeah, yeah, and she's kind of over on, you know, what we would say at that point is almost on the other side of campus now. And uh, she so more yeah. administrative? More, or, and kind of, I suppose, more... Leadership? You know, leadership and into, um, you know, kind of supposed to helping design new programs for the school too, you know what I mean? Yeah. She's, she's very well regarded there. I got a lot of time for her as well, for so sure. So Brad and Sue, if you are listening, you guys are definitely future targets. So when I started this podcast, you were asking me a little bit before we got on camera why I did it, and 
when Karen and I, before I started it, like a couple of weeks before, I was so excited. I I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it. And it was like three or four months. No one knew I was doing it. I knew I was doing it. And I was just eager. I'm like, I can't lose this momentum. I can't lose this energy. So I, we were in Hawaii for our 15-year wedding anniversary, and I had this tablet working on vacation. But I'm mm-hmm. writing down, like, all right, potential guests. Your name was on there. Sue's name was on there. Brad's name was on there. Obviously, Jared's name was on there. Bill Spiros, Jim Tui. Um, I, I wanted to bring uh, some powerful females in. So Kim Mesha, Archana Anand, uh, Brandy uh, Sheets is one of my employees, but super powerful women and love their success stories. Yeah. So Good long-winded stuff. answer to your Mercier's question. Yeah, but, but listen, I think that's what Mercier's does to us. I mean, we, we, it, it, it draws it out of us a little bit. Yeah, in a All right. very good way. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. How many questions have I I think I you asked? got one more maybe? I have one more personal question. You got to think about it now, right? Yeah. Um, one more personal question. I don't know. I'm coming back to that. I'm going to turn the table on you for a second. And, wow. You know, this is the first po- time my guest is just yeah, like taking charge. Yeah, at some point uh, I will intervene yeah. and kind of come back with a personal question. No, I'm cool question. with that. Once, it's I, flexible. once I learn a little bit more. That's yeah. that's fine. Yep. All right, so business questions. Go ahead. All right. So, I, you know, you were your original text to me when I was like, hey, can you send me your, your CV? You're like, I don't have right. a CV. I haven't done one in years. And we constantly, not that I'm looking for a new job. I own my company, so I'm not looking for a new job. But it's just, it's more of a thing that we do regularly. Like if you're looking to do a consulting job for an orthopedic company or you're going to a speaking engagement for something, they're like, I need your CV. Because it has your publications on it, has your your where you were, where you trained, all of that. Um, so it's a little different for you. But your second text, and I said, well, can you give me some bullets? Uh, just so I know a little bit more. I mean, I know you're from Ireland, right. and I know you, you went to Mercier's, <laughs> and I know that you own some bars and restaurants. Right, right. Um, but to hear your little bit of a journey, because I, I never knew you went to the West Indies, Yeah. right? And you said... And by the way, Jay, if you could do that right here, and he will, yeah. he'll draw a map because people are like, "Where's the West Indies?" I'm thinking, well, like, you know, and I, I have to kind of follow that up with it's in it's the Caribbean, yeah, or the Caribbean, as you like to say, I, America. When yeah. I first hear that, I'm thinking yeah. like India, yeah. west of India, some islands out yeah. there. That's what I'm thinking. But then when you said Antigua, yeah, or Antigua, how do you pronounce it? It's Antigua. Antigua. Yeah. Um, isn't that where Darien Tuit was from? Exactly. Who well, do you see? That's there. You go. So. I brought three, four guys from Antigua. Yeah, two Brian. To a, you had Darian Tuit, Glenn Francis, Avery Jonas, and Brian Tomlin. Tomlin, yeah, that's who yeah. I, I remember. Tomlin's him. son, excuse me. Yeah, Tomlinson, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. Um, so the, the West Indies piece, it was just ironic when I heard you in your opening talking about how you and the guy that ended up getting you there were from your hometown of Ireland. Yeah. Like, how the hell did that coincidence yeah, happen? No, I mean, who knows? Who knows? But it was, it was, um, I can even remember the day I got off of the job and I told my mother, and she's like, again, I said West Indies. But I mean, at that point, you had to get an atlas out and, yeah. and open up an atlas. Did you think so it was had, near India, too? Uh, you know, you're like, uh, perfect. India Pale Ale. Yeah, IPAs, yeah, yeah. I wasn't that advanced, I can assure you. <laughs> but yeah, I remember even opening an atlas. We had an atlas in the house, big old thick thing, and you're going through and you're trying to find it. and it was literally in the crack of the map, you know what I mean? You're kind of going. So you had to like spread it out. Like it was kind of tucked in there. Speck, and you're kind of going, am I really going to do this? Is there room for a hotel on this island? There's a, quite a few hotels. I was just there. I was just there last time. I'm just talking when you were yeah. looking at the map where you're like, yeah. that's a speck. There's yeah. no, like, what's the square footage? It's not there? even room for a hotel. Is there a room that you can actually land a plane in this thing? I mean, it just felt, it's 108 square miles, which, wow. you know, is, is, is small. 
but you know it's yeah how many acres is that Oh, I have no idea. But, you know, it's 10 miles by 11 miles. You know, yeah. it, it's not big, you know. It's, I mean, yeah. that's a country. Yeah. We don't have any states that small. No, no, God, no, no. I mean, it's an independent nation. I mean, so, got, yeah. my question is this. H-R-I-M, right? right. Hotel, resta- Restaurant, and Institutional Management? Correct. Where, who was your your mentor? Who was your, like, why did you choose that? There had to be somebody in your family that either ran a restaurant, a pub, a yeah. hotel, of this, or was it? You said I wasn't a good student. I'm going there to play soccer. And hey, guys, what did most people major in? Was it one of those? It, it was maybe a little bit like that. I mean, we have no, you know, my dad's a veterinarian by by trade. You know, actually, you know, he's 85 years old, still in great shape. Thank Is he God. still practicing? He practiced up until just before COVID. Oh my gosh! You know, so he was and large 80. and large animals. I mean, wow. farm animals. We're talking. Uh, we're not talking dogs and cats. Yeah, no cows, horses. We are, we are out. Testing cattle, sheep, pigs, the whole the whole nine yards. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, so, this is why you said, "Why are you doing this?" Thing, yeah, this yeah. podcast thing. So you know, that's, I get to share this story yeah. with other people that maybe never knew this about you because I never knew this about you. Yeah, Did but you, I mean, you farm stuff growing up. No, I mean, no, I mean, my my dad grew up on a farm. My mother grew up on a farm, so. You, you, had, know, you had exposure to it. it. Oh, I mean, I was out with my dad all the time. Okay, you know what I mean. So you're. You know, Would you surround- go on like? I wouldn't call it a house call, but a, a barn call. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you were lucky if you were in a barn. I mean, you know, it's usually yeah. out on a field or something like that. But oh, yeah, you're no. saying like have coverage over your head. But I, I can even remember, you know, you know, my dad doing cesareans and calves being born, and you're just helping push everything back in there so he can stitch them back up. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> it's yeah, it's wow, it's it's different, it's different. So the question, HRM, who and why? So I would say, yeah, I'm one of the nice things about the states. And going to college in the states is you do not have to know the minute you walk in the door what you want to do. That's a very good point. Ireland and I'm sure a lot of other countries in the world very very different. You almost have to apply for a course and they tell you if you got it or not based on your final results in high school. Yeah. So the states you kind of walk in, you kind of go. Well, you can take a year and a half, maybe even two years. We have certain core requirements. We have certain like a classes. flex year almost, right? Exactly, where you just kind of figure out what you want to do. And it was it was at that time where. You know, I, I always had this thing, I would open a bar, my own pub. I, I don't know where that ever came from, because it's not a family thing in any way, shape, or form. And John Woper, I don't know if you know that I name. I remember that yeah, name. Yeah, John I, Woper, who was... Jared would have yeah, known him, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Well, it, he might have been gone by the time Jared was there, maybe. I'm not sure. But John Woper would so, have been... So we started there, uh, I was 97, and Jared was 96. I have a feeling Woper would have been gone by then, because I graduated in 90. Okay. And he, but I think that name, I know. What I mean, he's, you know, I mean, I still think he's a bit of a legend in the place, to be quite honest. But he was, you know, we did, he was just a very kind of a big, vivacious kind of character, a great presence, and kind of took me under his wing in a little way, just to kind of say, hey, you know, and, and and I took classes and, you know, again, not the best student by any stretch of the imagination, but I love the practical side of it. You know, I mean, I love, I love the work. I love the, you know, I did an internship in Cleveland at a Marriott there. You know, John Warper was very big into doing events. I mean, at one point we did Harvard's graduation. Wow. I'm sure not a lot of people know that. But for wow. two or three years, we went to Harvard in vans and buses and literally did their graduation. So that had week. to be detail-oriented, right? Very detail There's not one rose petal that's out of yeah. position there. Yeah, so we stayed. We stayed on campus there. And, you know, so I have been How to, long did I've it take for you to get, like, that ceremony set up? Oh, we'd we'd go for a, a week. It would be yeah. I mean, at least at least we'd be there for a week or ten days. Yeah. 
Jeez. And it was all the different levels. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously people that were graduating or just had graduated were in charge. Of, I mean, it was it was busy mm. to say the least. And it was when you think back, I mean, how John Warper was able to get Merciers to go and actually pretty much run Harvard's graduations and all their class reunions kind of took place at the same time. The place was busy to say the least. And and he could when he were could, you he doing could that? Were you a student? Yeah, no, a student. Yeah, so that'd be late eighties. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm probably not the first person that's ever told you this. Like, you're pretty easy to talk to. You have a personality. Right. How much of your success, because you've said two or three times now, I was not that good of a student. Do you do yeah. you attribute to the fact that, like, you're really good and easy to talk to? You're a good communicator. You're open. You're honest. And you're likable. Well, you know, I suppose I can say my, my brother said this best. He goes, you know, you know, John doesn't mind learning, but he just doesn't want to do it from a book. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that's the best way to describe it. I mean, I, I'm always kind of, I want to be engaged. I want to I want to do a good job. I want to learn. But I was never one for just sitting in a classroom and just, you know, that's why. You're more of a practical learner. And I am. And even when I coached, and I coached for many years, my, my pre-game talks, my halftime talks, my post-game talks were, were minutes, like minutes. I just never felt that. There was that much to say that you couldn't get the message across, that that's what practice is for. That's what creating a culture is for. You know, it's, it's our manager meetings. They don't, they don't so, take so long. So they you took say you minutes. You, yeah. How long did it take you to prepare it? Or were you a gut emotional speaker? Like, Because at halftime, you don't have time to prepare because you yeah. don't know how the first half is going to go. Yeah, exactly. Your pregame, you can prepare. Yeah, for sure. But halftime's on the fly. Yeah. So how do you craft a two to three minute halftime speech when you are struggling and your team's behind yeah well i mean <laughs> and keep it swear keep a it lot. yeah 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 is yeah. it half your verbiage nah, you know the listen, f word you know, or yeah i mean some of it is but you know i just say that's for emphasis you know what i mean that's just to make sure like you're an adjective or it, it is a strong adjective but an adjective nevertheless you know what yeah. i mean so we just say hey this is what we expect but i mean like you say i mean soccer is one of those games where your halftime talk can can change in an instant i mean if you you know, if you score a goal just before halftime, you concede a goal just before halftime, or you go 2-0 up or 2-0 down, whatever it might be. I mean, so yes, there's a lot of that is on the fly, but half the time it's just, you know, keep the message going that you... Because not a lot changes, I don't think, from your pregame talk to what you might have to say at halftime. You're going to make some you're minor adjustments. Minor adjustments, but you're just re-emphasizing it, But you're message. not like, this yeah. is what we were yeah. doing, and yeah. now we're completely yeah. changing yeah. it? Yeah. No, because I don't think that... You don't become a bad team in 45 minutes and you don't become a brilliant team in 45 minutes. Yes, you might have played well, you might have played poorly. I love that. But at the same time, like, we just reinforce the message, we keep it going. Yeah, somebody might need to be called out, you know, but, you know, you can't shy away from that. You know, when I was at Mercyhurst, I used to say to any recruit who wanted to come, if you're really, really serious about your soccer, this is a good place for you. If you're not really serious about your soccer, this is not a good place for you. And I would say that in the room with mom and dad and kind of go, we're trying to win something here. And if you want to be a part of that, great. And if you just, if you like soccer just because you like it and you just want to play because you want to have fun, it's not a good fit. Yeah. It's not going to end well. You know, there's so many times that people these days talk about transparency. And that's being completely honest and transparent with your incoming student athletes. Yeah. And do you carry that over into your business now? Do you, do you when, you're, when you're interviewing people, are you, number one, are, um, this is a two part question, but it's gonna only going to count for one. Okay. Um, when you're interviewing people, are you now that transparent? Because I feel like right now we are in desperate times, desperate measures with staffing. And we, we touched on that a little bit upstairs. Yeah. But um, so are you that transparent 
because I think in college, when they're coming there to go to play soccer, like you have some selection, right? You're choosing from the best of the best because you had some amazing success and we're going to get into that. Right. But do you, are you afforded that type of comfort to essentially uh, be that serious in an interview or transparent in an interview? And, um, and are you part of that interview process still, or do you have a team underneath you that does that? I think when it comes to management, you're part of that interview process for sure. Am I, am I part of that interview process for, for what we Hostess. were already employees? Not really. Okay. Um, you trust your leadership team? Yeah, you do because you can't, you can't force it on them. I can't say if you're running public house, for example, going, Hey Ryan, I want you to take this guy or this girl. And then you turn around to me and six weeks later and go, what in God's name did you send me? So yeah, the managers are, are, are accountable for their own stuff. I love it. But, but when we have management, yes, and and what what I'm what I think we do a nice job of is we promote from within quite a bit. Um, we give people opportunity, and, and I think we've had a lot of great success stories. But what I don't think we do as good as we could do it is we we try to bring people in from the outside. We like new ideas. I I, I don't, and I'm and I'm speaking for my business partner when I say this too. We don't want to be the best anymore at this we want to bring in people that are smarter than us that can drive the company on and do all of these things and we have some of those people in our management there's no doubt about that we have some wonderful people but we have to do a better job of 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 maybe because we're such i mean comfortable with each other and a lot of our managers are have been with us for a long time sometimes it may be hard for somebody to come in from the outside yeah and sit in a manager meeting when He's been here for six years. He's been here for 10 years. She's been here for 11 years. She's been here for eight years. And sometimes they kind of maybe feel like they're not, you know, part of the team. Yeah. And that's nothing directly, but I think we need to figure out a better way to maybe um, introduce these people to the company. It's been tremendously difficult the last, you know, since COVID because, you know, you're just, everything is a reaction. You know, everything was a reaction Mm -hmm. for the longest time and, and all you could say was persistence and resilience and all those buzzwords. And, you know, we got through it, you know. But, like we all but, did. Yeah. Uh, hopefully. Not, yeah. Actually, yeah, a lot exactly. of didn't get yeah, through no, it. They didn't. And, 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 you know, there's still going to be some, you know, casualties down the road that have yeah. been able to hang on for a while. And it's, listen, everybody thinks everybody else's business is easier. So, so there's, there's no doubt about so, that. So, so I um, just heard a quote the other day. It's the same thing but said backwards. Everybody thinks that their job is harder, Yeah, right? It's the same thing as what you're saying, yeah. but just the opposite. And that's like, n- none of my employees are ever going to realize like what I put into it. And that is not me saying my life's harder than yours, yeah, yeah. but they don't see the behind the scenes, everything that you have sacrificed and put into this to create what you create. Cause this is your passion, right? Just as medicine is my passion. The people that work for me, there's obviously the professional provider level, and I'm not saying that someone's not professional, but then there's the hourly employee. Mm-hmm. And that's you, you need them because maybe they're still figuring life out. They don't know if this is exactly what they want to do, but they oftentimes feel like maybe their job's a little bit harder than yours. Well, they do, but I, I, I do think, you know, the follow-on to that is sometimes you meet people that were a hostess, you were a waiter or a waitress, whatever, and you meet them four, five, six, seven years later, and they kind of go, you know, the penny drops sooner or later. You know what I mean? And you yeah. see some people that have... It's been a good leg up for them, you know, having to deal with people. In a funny kind of a way, I think everybody should have to go through the service industry for a little while because you can deal with people that are like, that can be unreasonable, that can be difficult. Would you consider what I do the service industry? Because I do. 
I would because you're dealing with people. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, and, 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 and they're customers. With, yeah. they're, they're patients, but they're customers. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're probably dealing with more people that are in distress maybe than I would. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I mean, it's, I can you can only complain distressed. about a bad meal yeah. for so long, right? But like, oh, if your no, knees no, don't no, hurt, you can't fix it. No, I beg to differ there because <laughs> I have people complaining about that for, for a long time. Yeah. Oh, but, man. Guys, you know. if you don't like it, don't go there anymore, right? Yeah. yeah. But the problem is, is. Uh, or tell us. You know, that it's not even that. It's like, you know, we do our level best to, you know, to touch every table. Anybody who comes into us. You, you know, do a great job we, of that, we, by the way. Yeah, I can we, say we, that. We, we touch tables. And if you have an issue, I mean, that's why we touch tables. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, listen, this wasn't right. Are you going to get annoyed if I say my steak wasn't cooked right or this or that? No, I, not at all. Okay. I'm going to get annoyed if you go out afterwards and say, oh, put something online and say, well, I didn't have, this was wrong. We, we give you the opportunity. I've literally talked Love to people that. on the phone and they've said after the fact, I go, well, did the manager stop by your table? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, why didn't you tell him or her? You like, asked that question? Oh, absolutely, 100%. Yeah. And they go, well, I didn't want to cause a fuss. Well, what do you think you're doing now? <laughs> See, this is what I love about yeah. you because and you're I, brutally and honest. I, and, I, and, and it's every time we get a complaint, I'm the one who calls. I mean, as an owner. So you still I do that. I do. You're... I do. I genuinely care. I, I know when you go outside your front door that you have many, many options need some more beer. In, in, uh, in what we do. So the fact that w- you come to one of our places, I am very appreciative of that. I want to give you value. If you spend 20 bucks, I want to give you 21 plus dollars of value. I genuinely do. But help us. You know, yeah. that's the Feedback, other side of it. Yeah, right? just, you know. Because I can't make it yeah. better if you don't make let me know about it. Yeah. And me letting me know about it is on an online review that's slamming it. When you had the opportunity there to either make it right, number one, or if I couldn't make it right for you because you're so discuss it or whatnot make it right for the next person or the fact that you walked out the door and you know we tried yeah because you can't please everybody we understand that yep but at least what do you think that percent is that's small thankfully it's five, increased five it's, to ten percent yeah no no it's smaller than that i mean there's some i i think our success rate on that is pretty good but at the same time people have to give us the opportunity to fix it if it's wrong yeah and i think since covid um it's gotten worse to be quite honest i'm hoping that that turns a what, little bit. what's gotten worse i think the complaints oh they're more frequent they're more people are a little bit less tolerant okay and i will equate this to and this is my own your, your layman's version of been this. cooped up for well that's it i think people were at home for a year or two they want their dinner at six o'clock they sit down they have it at six o'clock yeah they control the environment yeah all of a sudden they go to a restaurant hey it's busy somebody made a mistake they made something wrong. They added something or didn't take something off that you didn't want on that yeah. item or not. And all of a sudden you get upset about it. Like, so they're not controlling the environment because when you're making your sandwich at home, like I had, I had one recently from a lady and she was very nice in fairness to us. She made a complaint and um, she said, um, how hard is it to cook eggs? <laughs> I said, it's not hard, but it's hard to find somebody to cook eggs. <laughs> <laughs> You know, did you get that right on the spot? Right, too? gave it to her right away. And, and you know, she was listen. Like I said, she was nice. I, I mean, I sent her a gift card. You know, and I have no problem doing that. But you know, just and I say this for, I, I feel like I'm saying this for all the service industry. Just yeah. you know, just be a little nice. And if it's not right, tell somebody. We don't be, mind. Be a little bit us. more tolerant. Well, and, not even and, tolerant. Get your value for money for sure. Get your value for but money. Let us know. But let it tell us. And let don't us, don't don't make it a, it a public thing yeah, where yeah, you're like. Yeah. Starting to, you know, you're getting the the big hammer axe out, yeah, right? You're yeah. coming in for the kill on yeah. it. 
And we've, and we've done it. We've stopped by tables and said, how's everything? They go fine. And they still go I don't think and, I've ever been yeah. to any of your establishments where either you, usually it's you. I feel like I, I don't, I'm not like, is John there tonight? Um, but it's just like opportunistic. I'm there at public house and yeah. you happen to be there. I'm at, um, the, yeah. the oyster house and, and you're there. So well, it was funny because I was on a, I was on a flight recently to, to Charlotte and, uh, I got on the plane and somebody goes, oh shit, he is every place. You know what I mean? And then a few people started laughing on the plane. So people say that when they go, when I feel like I go to your restaurant, I feel like you're there, no matter which one it is. But we do the rounds, myself and my business partner. Again, it's back to what I said earlier. We, we appreciate the fact that you're there and we want you to have a good experience. So we work hard at that. I want to ask this. I have like some really great questions on my mind, but before I, this thought or question escapes me, where are you going right after this? I was going to Bay House, but we'll see how this goes. Oh, okay. But you were going to work. You weren't going home. Oh, no, 100%. So when I texted you yeah. and you're like, what time do you want to do this? I'm like, oh, 6 o'clock. Um, and you're like, oh, that's dinner time. Yeah. I was thinking, oh, he has like a, he's sitting down with his family for like a evening meal. And this is a tradition <laughs> at, at like a highly value it. Yeah. During the last conversation to your answer to my question, I realized you're talking about dinner time yeah, for your yeah. your restaurant. For business, yeah, exactly. And you are going to work, and yeah. you're going to go around to those tables. That's what people don't see. They think your job is easy, right? Yeah. They want to do that. That's sexy. I'm owning a bar. I'm owning a restaurant. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. But like, they don't realize blood, sweat, and tears. And those are late nights, right? Yeah, they are. I mean, we figured that part out a little bit now, you know, with management and stuff like that. So I'm not. I mean, I'll stay as long as I need to stay for sure. But, yeah. I, you know, I'm not, it's... You're not closing the place. You know, every now and then. But, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, manager's sick, somebody's on vacation, you know, whatever it might be. Yes. But, you know, not as not as often as I used to, that's for sure. And that's probably a good thing. Yeah. All right. Next question. Um, I've always been dying to ask you this, and I've never really done it. I... You, so you have occupied, um, or I've had the pleasure of knowing you for tw close to 25 years now. Okay. Met you 97. I'm a freshman and my buddies are playing soccer and there's this guy, he's a soccer coach for the men and women's soccer team. Yeah. Having tremendous success. And we're going to hit, hit on that. Um, and I felt like that was the first half of my John melody experience. And then the second half of my, maybe a little bit longer than that half of my John melody experience and my more intimate part of that, is I knew first knew you as a coach, and I thought John Melody soccer coach. Now I think of John Melody as business owner, restaurateur, brewery owner, um, you pick six owner. The things you've done to me are amazing, and I'm just like, how the heck were you so good at this and so good at this? Because oftentimes can be someone can be this good at this, but usually then they're maybe this. They're like mediocre mm -hmm. at the other. So when did you make this decision to transition from coaching to what you currently do? How did you make that decision? Did someone influence you on that? And do you ever miss or not regret, but long for what you previously did? Um, I suppose yes. Is, I, I, so to answer the first part of your question, thank you for saying I was good at this and I'm good at this. No, I didn't say you were good at it. So you're great at that. Okay, so I'm, but I don't look at it like that. You know, fair I, enough. I feel you're like humble. That's I, fine. I feel like as a coach, I was as good as my next game. I feel as a bar restaurant owner, I'm as good as my next meal. I'm as good as your next pint. I'm as good as your next party. 
I don't ever kind of, you know, look back over the shoulder and go, didn't I do well? It's just, yeah. it's not in me. It's, and I think that's very uh, kind of, a, you know, an Irish thing anyway. You know what I mean? The minute you start thinking you were good at something, you know, people wouldn't mind cutting the knees from under you. And that's, and <laughs> we that's need fair. a little bit more of that in this country, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, no, and that's fair. I mean, that's more than fair, I think. But yeah, so I mean, I don't ever, you know, there's a certain satisfaction you gain from that. You know, you go back and, you know, um, you know, sometimes when they read your bio for coaching, and I was put in the Erie Metro Hall of Fame this year. Um, Congrats. Thank you. First foreigner, by the way, which... Really? Yeah, and when I say foreigner, and I said this in my acceptance speech, I don't mean from Ohio. Uh, <laughs> I mean from I mean from another so country. So wait, this Hall of Fame is what? The Erie Metro Sports Hall of Fame. So it's high school, college? It's everything, yeah. It could be it, pros? It, it runs the gamut. Absolutely, wow. 100%, yeah. Dude. Yeah, thank you. That's not a small thing. You no, know, it's nice. It's nice. Nice. For, so when I get these right? accolades now, I feel they're, they're as nice for my kids to see it. You know, I'm... Was it... Was it as a player or as a coach or both? Coach. Okay. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't ask <laughs> you, that question anymore. So you have anymore. to look at the small yeah, print. Is there an yeah. asterisk? Um, you know, so so sometimes they read your bio and you go, listen, it sounds good. But like sometimes like, is that really me? And I, I think more about the games that got away than the games I won. You know, yeah. and I think a lot of coaches uh, are uh, like that. Uh, as a player, yeah. that's how I was. Yeah. And as a professional. Yeah. You know what? And I struggle with this personally. Um I tell my wife this, I tell my my life coach this, I tell my closest confidants this. 99.5% of the time, what we do with a hip or knee replacement is overwhelmingly successful and the people are grateful. I oftentimes forget about that and I focus and yeah. hyper-focus on the 0.5% yeah. because they can make your life miserable. And I'm not saying this in a derogatory terms. No, I'm, patients, I'm, I'm, yeah, no, I'm 100% with it's you. It's the experience because yeah. you're like, how could I have done that differently? Yeah. How could I have coached that game differently? How could I have done something differently? Maybe education-wise before surgery, technically during surgery, or my aftercare. Like, because they don't, people think that I have no remorse. And that is probably the most common misunderstanding. I mean, like, this stuff haunts me. Yeah. Well, we talk about it. Like, you can't, and and it's a little bit different for me. I mean, you get a bad stake, you get a bad hip. There's a bit of a difference here. Yeah. Um, but you you mentioned they'll continue to complain about it. Yeah, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, you're out there, you're doing your best, and 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 I would say ninety percent of people are wonderful, five percent are tolerable, and there's five percent that are maybe not tolerable. Hold on. But, it, but I'm a mathematician. My dad's a math. You said 95 plus 5 plus no, 5. No, 95 and 5. Oh, 90. 90, yeah. 90, 90 are tolerable. 5, five and are, 5. You can, okay. you can handle. Okay, gotcha. No, 90 are great. 90% of people are wonderful. 5 are tolerable. That's five, a great breakdown. 5 are tolerable. 5 are, they, but it's the 5% for me. That, that drains you? That 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 can live rent-free in your head. Is yeah. kinda, and this is what you try and let your managers know. Listen, if, if you did your best and you tried to take care of the situation and it just wasn't good enough for me. At least you tried. Yeah. You know, when somebody walks in and says, hey, table number, you know, one, two, three is a little upset. You know, I'm straight there and I would hope our managers are straight there and go, do your best to fix the problem. And if you can't fix the problem, at least you know you tried. Yeah. So then if they do complain afterwards, you kind of go, listen, the manager went over here, she tried. I mean, what else can we do for you? You know, yeah. so... I'm I'm very much like that, you know. So, but what was it? Was there a moment where you're like, "Why am I coaching anymore? I want to do this." Or no, no. I mean, it was it was literally. So somebody came to me and said, um, "Hey, I'd love to open up an Irish pub." So this was a mercy, a classmate of mine. Yeah, 
Golden, nameless at this point. And uh, I said, we'll that's one. Jared Oaks. Right. <laughs> it wasn't. But. No, it wasn't. Um, so I said, listen, I coached soccer at Mercer's University, Mercer's College at the time. I said, I wouldn't have that kind of money. So basically he said to me at that point, he goes, listen, I have access to money and I would love to do this. So from there, uh, did a bit of research, so on and so forth. And, and went back and forth. We met quite a few times. And it was literally, we found the building, which is the building where Molly Brannigan's was downtown, which is sadly no longer. It's no longer? It's no longer, no, no. When? Uh, Christmas time. Had a bad flood. and Oh, yeah, we yeah, were there just before that. Yeah. But I haven't owned that now in 15 years. Right. Yeah, so. But that was a beautiful Yeah, yeah. Building. No, we brought everything from Ireland. You know what yeah. I mean? Like literally, you when you walked in the door of Molly's, you, you were wood. effectively in Ireland. You know what I mean? Everything down to the. You know, to the pictures, light fixtures, you furniture, seem like everything. a person that I'm familiar with. That's um, yeah, critically attached to details. Yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, not going to name any names. Yeah, but. no, no, good. So I am. Um, so anyway, it, it came to the. So we we started out a lease, the whole nine years, and it came to the day of signing the lease, and he said, "You know, I can't do this." Your partner? At the well, time, at the, the well, the, you know, the, alleged partner, I guess, yeah. is the best way you could describe it. So then. We were supposed to sign the lease, I don't know, one or two o'clock in the afternoon. So I went in. And you're still coaching at Mercer's. Still coaching at Mercer's. Yeah. So I went into, um, went down to the meeting, spoke to the landlords, and they were like, okay. And um, you were like, it's off. I said, here's what's happened. Just basically told them the same story yeah. I just told you. And they were like, okay, so what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I'd still like to do it, but I'm not sure how I'm going to figure this out. And they right away said, listen, we'll give you 60, 90 days to, to get come a back. Game and, plan together. Yep. Yeah. Said we like Dude, the you know what? I love that opportunity that they gave you. Yeah, they did. No, and I'm, I'm always grateful for that too. To be fair, so I went, and one thing led to another, and we were able to round up some investment and and get that all done. But in the meantime, um, we had gotten a call from where Cornerstone is right now. Yeah. So the guy that owned that building, which was an old Sunoco gas station, I remember when it was a gas station. Yeah. Not yeah. Cornerstone happened after. Yeah, so 2002 we opened that. So yeah, I graduated 2001. Yeah, so we opened that in January of 2002, and that was we opened that on you know on an absolute shoestring. So were you like Molly has officially graduated? We can open the bar. No, Molly's was after that. No, we, I mean Molly. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like, what would you? Right, he graduated in 97. Yeah, or, I'm sorry. No, that was uh, 97 to 2001 at yeah. Mercer's. Yeah. So yeah, you so just missed you, you, you six months. I tried to get old before you graduated. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but no, didn't work out. You definitely so didn't yeah. want Jared and I there. Why I will not? tell you that. Why not? We probably so, wouldn't yeah. be here. Yeah, well, I suppose that's the other side of it. You know, I remember my mother walking in there one day, and we weren't open. So we opened in January, and she walked in there in May, and it was like ten o'clock in the morning. She walked in, and, and I said, "Can I help you?" She goes, "No, no, I'm just looking around. I just want to see where my son spends all my money." <laughs> I thought she was and looking she, for her son. And she was, she was the nicest lady. Did, she, up, did you pour her a pint? I did not. I just said, I said, who's your son? And she told me, and I, I, I didn't tell her he was our best customer, but yeah, <laughs> he kind of was at the time. But So yeah. that's happening January 2001. Then we opened Molly's in November of 2001. Same, Sorry, 2002. Same, same kind of group, uh, 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 like team? Yes. Yeah. Is it, to yeah. this day, is it the same? No, no, not at all. I mean, I would have left. I, I, I sold out of Molly's in... You know, my, my oldest daughter just turned, well, she's 15 now, so my wife was pregnant okay. at the time, so I sold out of Molly's, got out of the bar business, went back to work at Mercer's, worked in the alumni department for a couple of years. I did not know that. Yeah. And that's when then we, we started the whole You Pick Six thing in 2009. Wow. I just assumed you had both restaurants and bars until 
you pick six thing got live. I didn't realize that you actually went back to Mercier's. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, kind of my I say my wife was pregnant, and I was like, you know, in the bar business, maybe not. Went back to work at Mercier's. Worked for Dave Livingston. I don't know if you remember Dave yeah. Livingston, who was who was you know one of the, you know one of my favorite people. To be quite honest, he was yeah. so good to me. Um, and then it was a few years later, and I just went. Ah, the nine to five is not really for me. I'm going back into the bar business. This is kind of you know back to what you're saying. It was kind of a passion, yeah. Kind of a thing and and we started with the beer store on Upper Peach Street, with again with my my business partner right now. We've been business partners since day one on on that whole venture. And um, and that was you pick six. And that was you pick six. And then it was the tap. Where'd that idea come from? Um, just kind of the start of craft beer. Were you kind of like. Nobody wants six. to go buy a case of beer well, unless they're having a party. People didn't even want to buy a six-pack at that point because you don't even know what you like. Craft beer was coming out. It was coming strong. Go, we we modeled it on basically you can walk in, you can buy six different beers. So if you don't like one of them, at least you didn't buy a six-pack of it. Right. So, you know, that was quite successful for a while. And then the opportunity came for Tap House and then Public Did you House. see that somewhere else or were you guys just like the, the, the you pick six thing? Um, or is it something that you guys like personally experienced? They're like, you know what? There's this new beer... Like, there's one that I just tried. It's actually kind of local, so I don't want to slam it. Yeah. It's not yours. Um, and I didn't really like it. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, I want to like this because it's local. Yeah, and exactly. I love local stuff. Yeah. But I was like, this is like drinking yeah. turpentine. But at the time, a lot of breweries were just, they were still experimenting. As much as the, the customer was experimenting, so were, were brewers. And, yeah. and sometimes they nailed it and sometimes they didn't. And, you know, it just kind of went on like that for a while. You know what I mean? So... I mean, it was funny because people literally, you know, there was a place in Florida, which is no longer either. I mean, literally took the name, the model, the whole nine yards. And, and you know, so I'm not I'm not sure we were cutting edge on this stuff. But, yeah. you know, it was, you know, Erie is a little different, you know. Um, so it's just, it's just an idea. I mean, I don't know where we get them from. You, yeah. just, you just get them. 2 a.m. stuff, wake up, you're like, yeah, oh. maybe. But again, my, my business partner would have been, you know, sharp guy too you know what i mean just like you you start bouncing stuff off each other and something kind of goes you know it sticks after a while yeah like we'll try that yeah but not That's, knowing sometimes if yeah. it's going to work or if it's going to no, be a flop not at all not so at you all. throw enough mud against the wall something's yeah. going to stick yeah. you know unfortunately enough you know we found a bank that would give us the money and um you know that would that would that was nice because with molly's we had a lot of investors and you know not that that's not the way to go by any stretch of the imagination but sometimes when you can paddle your own canoe yeah, it's good. You can go a little faster. You can go a little faster, and you know when the bank is paid, the bank's paid. And I don't like owing people money. You know what I mean? I just, yeah. Oh you know, God, do you or, feel that like sense yeah, of like, like if I, it's yeah. like even just oh man, I forgot my wallet. Like Jared and I are best friends. We I was just out there with lunch, for lunch with him, and it was in college. I kind of intentionally forgot my wallet because I didn't have money, but now I feel like indebted to these people. So I'm just like, let me get lunch. Let me get lunch. Yeah. I legitimately forgot my wallet. And we went to lunch. I'm like, Jared, I forgot my wallet. He's yeah. like, oh, figures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That has happened to me. I, once that I can ever remember, I forgot my wallet. Yeah. yeah once ever. And um, yeah. what was the situation? The situation was we were building Molly's. It was a carpenter came from And they're Ireland. like, we need your whole bill for this no, entire thing. No, not right even now. that. It forgot was, my wallet. <laughs> it was a carpenter came from Ireland to help us out with this thing. Wow. And he was good at building shop fronts and, and all this stuff. And, and I never met the guy. So he arrived, he was going to stay at my house the whole nine yards. And, and when he got there, I didn't know who this guy was from a hill of beans. Wow. And he got there and he said, hey, uh, it's Sunday night, you want to go for a beer? 
I was like, perfect, this guy's going to go for a drink. We just jumped in the car and went, and we went down. We had quite a few beers. And then I was Where'd like, you go? Calamari's. See, this is the details that yeah. I love, too. Yeah. So I'm like, so we had some wings he went to beers. the Plymouth. He yeah. went to the Plymouth. Yeah, no, on a Sunday night. And um, and the next thing was the bill came, and I was like, I don't even know this guy. Yeah. And I forgot my wallet. Oh. Never happened to me before, never happened to me since. But, yeah. How did you, were, did you square up with him later? Oh, I, I squared up with that night once we got he, back to the house because he was staying with me. Okay. Like, there's but your money. But it's just like but he's a still, really bad feeling, I think isn't it? It is, but I think he wouldn't take my money because he just wanted to bust my chops for the fucking rest of his life. Because he knew it was bothering yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not even it was bothering me, but he was like, yeah, you know, like, just, I mean, listen, it was Sunday night and how many years ago? I mean, yeah. we're not talking... Huge money here, but it's but it's no, it wasn't. A, it probably it was wasn't five hundred dollar dinner no, and no, drinks because no, if, if it was wings and a few bottles of whatever, yeah, yeah. Okay, so my next question for you is: You've had this life experience of coaching and being a, a restaurateur, bar owner, um, but I want to go back to kind of the coaching days a little bit. All right, so I got to witness your success. I was a trainer for you, I think at least one or two seasons, but. Um, one of my roommates, Dave Sliz, uh, played yeah, on your team. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just thinking of names right now as we were talking about Nick Potter. But I'd love to just like, let's give this segment a little bit of that team. And I want you to kind of introduce that team. Yeah, I mean, that special, special <clears throat> bunch of guys there. I mean, that was, you know, played in a national semifinal in, in 1998. No, on Final Four. Oh. Yeah. Final Four, 1998. So that was my sophomore year. Yeah. Beaten by Wisconsin, or not Wisconsin, but beaten by um, South Carolina Spartansburg. Um, You know, we had, you know what, I I think a lot of what I'm proud of with that team is we started, well, Spartansburg, who beat us, started nine, sorry, ten foreigners. They had one American on the field. Wow. We had three foreigners. We had eight Americans start that night, and they were exceptional. I'm going to pause you right now. Yeah. Allie. And I'm talking to you. Keep this live, Jay. You need to make sure that in the show notes include all these people he's going to mention because this is going to make his podcast go like this because they're going to watch it. Right. And then they're going to share it with their family and friends. So start getting your pencil and paper out. Yeah. If you need any help on names, yeah. I can get them from John, but I know most of these guys, if not all of them. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it, it I, like I say, that was, that was a special, special group. I mean, we had, you know, you know, you talk about Mark Fitzgerald, who was captain of that team, who was first team All American. And where was he from? And he was from Ireland, you know. Yeah. And and so the so the three foreigners um, were were Darian Toot, who was in goal from Antigua. Antigua. Stuart Hogg yeah. was from Sheffield, England, and Mark Fitzgerald Stu. is from 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 Kerry. You remember Stuart Hogg? Yeah. But I mean, you know, what a what a what a good group. You know, you mentioned Dave Sliz, Rob Yurkovich, Anthony Mayer. Anthony Mayer. Anthony Mayer was the only like guy the that Cleveland. Area, yeah, wasn't he? he'd no. Anthony Mayer was from. Um, or was he um, Philly? Cape May, New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say he's got more of that Philly, Philly kind of like. He had that Philly, the New like, Jersey chip, as I'll, we call it. I'll tell it. you one thing. Yeah, you did not want to get a bar fight with Anthony Mayer. No, I've seen one or two of those over the years. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he was. Uh, he was at well. Able to he look can after go from himself. zero. He could be the nicest guy in the yeah. world. Uh, love you, Anthony. Don't want to get in a bar fight with you. Yeah. And just doing. Listen, what I love about that team is. You know, that team was inducted into the Mercyhurst University Hall of Fame a couple of years ago. And of the 18 guys that were NCAA rostered for that game, 17 of them were back here for the weekend 20 years later. What was the number again? 17? 17 of the 18 rostered NCAA guys were here that weekend. Who wasn't here was Mark Fitzgerald, who was put into the Hall of Fame as an individual 
the year before, so he could make two trips from Ireland. Yeah, that's back a, to that's back. A so it was a big ask. So that's I mean, yeah. give him the hall pass on that. Yeah, one, oh but, yeah, hundred um, percent. Lynn yeah. Burns, Lynn Burns, Nick Potter, Nick Potter, who's you know down at Duke working for Duke basketball. Can, can I tell a quick medic. Nick Potter story? Listen, everybody's got a Nick Potter story, but I want to hear yours, but I want to tell you mine. My Nick Potter story is. I think I recruited Nick Potter and his voice wasn't even broken. You know what I mean? I don't think his voice is broken yet. But, and I have been to Raleigh, North Carolina and I've been to Duke games because he's gotten his tickets to go to Duke games. And what's lovely, and, and this is one thing I will say, I can I will remember this very vividly. For years and years and years after these guys graduate, they will call you and go, hey, I need some advice. You know, what do you they think about this? They Right. But I can. You were more than a soccer coach then. You were right. a, a mentor and but probably I can, a fatherly I, figure yeah, too. But I can I can remember the day when I had to call one of my players for advice, and you kind of go, you know what? Here's the situation I'm in, or here's the situation. I can't even remember what it was. Was it Nick? No, it wasn't Nick actually. Oh, I thought- but I can remember the player, and I can remember kind of going, "What do you think about this situation? What would you can do?" Can you here? tell the story? I, I don't remember what exactly I was asking about, but I remember the player. I, I'll go nameless okay, because sure. just because because you don't know that. Well, everybody else would be like, "What you call me?" Yeah, <laughs> you know. But I, I very vividly remember kind of going, "What do you think here?" And I think they well, even, they know you didn't call them. Well, <laughs> yeah, the yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, that's but true. now they're gonna be like, "Wait a second. Well, they he, might think like he, you know, it's twenty years later. Maybe he did call. They're me. like, "Why know, him yeah, over yeah, me?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was yeah. Has it been and, that and, long? So yeah. What year was that team? That was ninety eight. So more than 20 years. It was 25 years, I think, when they got inducted into the Hall of Fame. Wow. So And just to have those relationships with those players, even still, to what, this what day. What was your is, Nick Potter is, moment, though? Because I want to tell my... Well, no, I, th- I think Nick Potter, in his tryout, he somebody tried to meg him. You know, you know, in soccer, you put the ball between someone's legs. And he took the ball off him and he megged him back. And I went, you cheeky little bastard. But, <laughs> you know, you will absolutely do for me. And... You know, there's another guy. Is that who, your moment with Nick? Where you're there's like, a, there's I a want moment. Him. There's a moment with all these guys. I think when you see something, like you kind of go, was they fit in? Jungeberg was he part of that team? Yeah, Jungeberg was a year later than that. Okay, yeah, yeah, was yeah. that Jankowski? Jankowski was part of that team. What about? Um, I'm drawing a blank. You his had name Mike Shields. You had Eric. He tore his ACL. I remember PJ. PJ. P- Oh, J.P. Kitchell. J.P., J.P. J.P. Kitchell. Yeah. I just saw him last Lo- night. I was local. at the Mercier's. Yeah, local. I was the guy that found yeah. out he had a torn ACL. Yeah. I remember that. That was the first time yeah. as a student trainer where I was like on the field, first responder. I'm like, dude, yeah. that thing's this out. This is not good, yeah. But he came back, rehabbed that, and became an he All-American. Did. Oh, he did? You know I mean, yeah. You know. Love I the grit, love night. the determination. What's yeah. he doing these days? He's uh, he's a teacher. He's a special needs teacher right here near you. He got yeah. some award recently, yeah, yeah, some kind of teacher of the year. If you see him again, tell him I said yeah, hello. No. I mean, hopefully he'll yeah. watch this podcast. Yeah, but no. all these people, so my Nick Potter story real quick is, I just remember Nick, because um, we took all the same classes. He was an athletic trainer, and he was a pre-PT student, so he had a double major. A um, lot of great classmates there. Uh, Greg Beato, Susan Beato, now Gotham. Or I'm sorry, got, Susan Gotham, now Beato, Mary Greg, um, Todd Marshall, Trevor, um, I mean, we just had a, a, a great, uh, Josh Hoffman, I think was a year ahead, uh, Nate and Tate, uh, Erickson, and um, I'm, tr- I'm blank- blanking on the last name, but yeah. just a great gr- group of people. But my thing with Nick was he, ne- I don't remember one class where he showed up on time, not one time <laughs> in four years. And he would come in 
and he would be so just like <sighs> he's still dripping from the shower and he, he's just yeah. like coming in and he's like i want to go to duke and we're like dude you can't even make it to class on time you're never going to duke you're not going to make it we razzed him where's nick potter now at duke has been there for over 20 years yep. um this is mad props to you nick i was watching the brazil olympics i believe and the national men's basketball team that the the usa men's basketball team led by coach k yep. was being walked in during the opening torch ceremonies and lo and behold who do you think was walking through that what did you call him when he when he put the ball make, make them but, but you yeah. said what was your adjective for nick you cheeky little bastard you so yeah. you cheeky little bastard you're walking <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. opening ceremony yeah. with the with kobe bryant lebron yeah. james carmelo anthony Chris Paul, Dwayne Wade, and Coach K is leading this. And, and I'm like, I'm watching. I'm like, that's Nick Potter. Yeah. We said he would never be at Duke. And I, he had been at Duke. So, and then Greg Beato. But Nick, Nick Potter is the same guy he he is today when he was 17. There is not a cocky bone in his body. He's humble. He is, like I said, I was down at Duke a few years ago. And I remember they were playing in North Carolina State. And he said, two, I'm giving you tickets, which are two rows back from the bench. And he goes, two things you can't do. You can't sell the tickets. You can't wear red. And okay. He goes, other than that, you're good to go. And I remember going there and I was just, I'm not a big basketball fan or anything like that, but NC State were up on him. Duke came back and beat him. And the place was just bouncing. Like I've, you know, I will watch, I would say I'm a sports fan. A lot of people say they're sports fans, but, you know, I, I would be contradictory to that and go, well, you're an American sports fan. You know what I mean? You like football, baseball, basketball, and you might like hockey. You know, mm. yeah. <laughs> but but I I I would watch any sport, any sport played at its highest level. Go if that's the best this sport can be, I will watch it. I, and that's why I think I like the Olympics yeah, because yeah. you were seeing the very best at what they're doing. Exactly. Whether it's um, tiddly winks or whatever. No, what's yeah. the one where they they're on the ice and they're <laughs> yeah, it's the curling, yeah. curling, yeah, right? Yeah, I yeah. was like, this is a sport, yeah. but you know what? They're so good at yeah. they've mastered it. Yeah. So it doesn't just because you're really good at basketball doesn't mean like you were given this specific gift that's more than this because they probably put the same amount of work and passion into it, yeah. just not as popular, right? It doesn't sell as much tickets or yeah, no one's wearing a curling. Maybe we should start that yeah. as a new venture. That's all you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're I'm like moving. that I'm, one's gonna flop I'm moving on from that one. but yeah no, so, so again to see these guys you know and i and i still talk to these guys regularly and we're, we have a whatsapp group on the phone and it's great you know i mean i was just giving my verdict on the mercier scanning game yesterday to to the group you know what i mean they tied 3-3 it was a great game um you know so it's it, it's nice to have that for sure for do, sure do you miss that i, I miss you know, what I miss about soccer, I suppose, is as you miss the locker room. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think anybody who's coached who doesn't coach anymore would say the same thing. You miss you miss you miss the locker room. You miss the things that the fans don't see necessarily. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's 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 the relationships, it's the nuances, it's the it's how do you get the best out of this guy or this girl or or you know, whatever those things are. Because one thing I know about coaching and I think anybody would say about coaching, there's there's certain players you know exactly how they feel about you. Yeah. There's certain players you know exactly how they feel about you. But there's always a group in the middle. You're like, I wonder if 
how they feel about their experience, their time at, yeah. at Mercyhurst or playing for the Commodores in the NPSL or whatever it might be. And it's it's great to meet these people years and years later. I mean, I had a, I had a girl tell me one time, she goes, she goes, you know, I was 30 before I figured out what you were talking about. And I go, well, I needed that eight years earlier or 10 years <laughs> earlier. She goes, but I get it now. Yeah. You know, I get and, it now. And, and that's, that, that's one of the rewards for coaching. You can't force that either, right? No, because, can't. And I bet you that even though you're not coaching anymore, the rewards are going to continue to come because you know what? In 10 years from now, you're going to run into a Fitzy in a bar somewhere and you're going to have some great moments and he's going to bring something up to you yeah, yeah. that you oh, didn't they all realize. They all, they all have a story that, for sure. Yeah. That influenced them. Yeah. So my last, I think I've, I, I don't know how many questions. It doesn't even matter yeah, anymore, yeah. but like I, I just, this is an interesting conversation. I don't want it to end. Um, your, if you had to pick one, no, I'm going to ask two more. If you had to pick one person that is like your ultimate influencer of who John Melody is, I'm not talking about as the the bar. You already mentioned who that was, right? But like, who gave you the attributes that make you who you are as a whole human being? I, I, I you know, and I've been asked this question before, and I kind of go, you know, I, I don't look at somebody go, that person was my mentor, or that person really, you know, took my shoulders and steered you, me in a lot the of right different direction. People that a lot of different people. I mean, you, you 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 always have to say your parents. You know, what I mean, they give yeah. you they give you the, the you know the the so the, the a, foundation. Part two, the scope. do this. Give the people, not just one person. Give 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 your top, however many it be five, ten, whatever it is. Obviously, you were saying your parents. Yeah, parents for sure. You know, your. Would you, you get know, from your mom, and would you get from your dad? Because this is all about like. You know, I'll tell you. I, I, giving I, shout I, outs. Yeah, you know, no, I will. I will say, my my mother. I would have got my kind of. You know, and philanthropy is a very American word. You yes. know, what I mean, it is still a very American word, but my mother was always very good to to be very generous. You know, with the community, with 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 all that kind of thing. My dad would have been very generous, more so generous with his money because he was like, well, I'm not necessarily, I really want to be involved in that. So how much, how much do yeah, I have to, to like, give you to say, I'll alone. go play golf. And, um, you know, and, and he was, so there was a lovely kind of a combination between the two, which I would think that maybe I, as well as my siblings would have got, you know, the how best of that. I have three brothers, one sister. And where are you at in the mix? The second oldest. Yeah, the only black sheep. Yeah, I have the rest. A, of I highly all, doubt the that. rest of them are all <laughs> successful. Um, but can you give a quick rundown of them, like who they are, what they do? So, older brother, two years older than me, uh, is a manager of probably like uh, manager, like a, a golf club manager, probably the biggest club in Dublin. Okay. Um, and uh, then then there's me. What's then, his name? Jim. That's Jim's Jim first, right? And then there's me. Then there's Dermot, who's my my brother next to me. He's What's his name? Dermot. D-E-R-M-O-T. Okay. Like Dermot Mulrooney. Yeah. And the poor guy, when he comes to the States, they call him DeMont and they call him anything and everything. But they, they can never Vermint. No, I haven't heard that one. You should start calling Did, him that. Yeah, I just call him Der. Um, and uh, so he sells veterinary pharmaceuticals. You know, okay. So kind of same kind of feel as yeah. my dad in a lot of ways. And then my sister, Emer, E-M-E-R, which is a very Irish name. And... Um, she is. Um, she has her own communications company for a long time. She was in the fashion industry. You know, she had worked for 
Ralph Lauren, Oscar de la Renta, done all that stuff in New York. So who would know this about John Mellon yeah. if I wasn't doing this? Yeah. So this is great yeah, stuff. She did the same in London. Successful. She moved back to Ireland many years ago. Has a family. She, she like I say, she has her own community telecommunic or not telecommunications company, but just her own communications company. And then my younger brother, Tom Jr., who is we're never quite sure what Tom does. He he does very well for himself and he's production manager, but as even my mother said one time, she goes, We never knew what Tom actually did until he got married and his <laughs> wife told us. <laughs> what was so, it? So so no pro, like production, like he's he's with multinational companies. Oh, and I was he's, thinking and he was like pornography or no, something. You're like, no, he, did, no, he was no, this dark no, secret and then, no, not at then all. his wife no. who came over and she looked yeah. very provocative. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Okay. Tom very, very successful. But why did he keep it a secret? Because he's just humble. Uh, yeah. Love it. Just just but. just just who he is. Under the radar, nice and easy. I, this is what I do, and and you know, it did extremely well for himself and does extremely well for himself. So, you know, very blessed in that regard. Wow. You know, good family. So and then um after that, you know, I'm married, three kids. Uh, so your wife, complain. where'd you meet her? Sullivan's. <laughs> so for all the yes. people here, your yes. most local viewers, right. but you probably don't need Give us a little lowdown on Sullivan's, which yeah. isn't so, even open anymore, right? It is. It is. is it? Yeah, yeah. It kind of opens and closes a little bit. Uh, so, one of those kind of places. Was, was one of those Irish pubs that opened back in, I think, the 20s, maybe, the 1920s. That has to be around for 100 years now or, or somewhere yeah. around there. It's it changed names a few times over the years. Do you appreciate that? Right? Um, it's kind of like that I, lo- I, local I, watering I hole. I appreciate anything that's longevity in the business I'm in. If you can make it for a long period of time, I have What's a long abs- period of time? I think if you can make it for 15, 20 years, and if you can make it beyond that, and you can go multi generational, I think that's so incredible. Is done. I've done that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I met her there, and I was actually on crutches. I just blown out my knee, actually. And I met her when I was on crutches. When was that? 97. So you were a coach. I was. That was I, my freshman year. But it was back to, yes, I was on crutches. How'd you injure it? I played Gaelic football in New York. And you're coaching. What what time of year was this injury? I, I did the injury in April. I got operated. Was in it ACL? A, ACL, yeah. Well, yeah. ACL, MCL, mm. all the well, CLs, yeah. I'll, I'll be doing your total knee someday. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've had a scope once to kind of clear it out a little bit, but Clean, the day is coming. To scrape out more of the cartilage that I, or I'm going to take out when, yeah. when I end <laughs> yeah. up doing your knee replacement. Do you do the hip and the knee at the same time? No, but we can do them close. Right. Do your hip first, by the way. Okay, right. Fair all enough. Right. So... Yeah. Meet your so, wife, Sullivan's like, yeah. what happened? Did she come up to you? Did you go up to her? Um, my brother was over here on a summer Let's bring job. bring this mic. Sorry. My brother was over here on a summer employment, and he had met some girl he was working with, and he said, hey, we go down to Sullivan's. She showed up, or she brought her friend, and the rest is history. Really? Do you yeah. fall hard? Um, no. No. I don't think she did either, <laughs> to, to <laughs> be very honest. Yeah. But, but it was one of those ones where, and I often tease her because that's where her parents met. Are you serious? Yeah. So I just say she, she was down there looking for a husband. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just happened to be the guy. Oh, you are. <laughs> you're sly. Yeah. That's how that is. yeah. Yeah. So I just happened to be the guy. So, yeah. So, you know, she's a local girl. She's, you know, um, eerie girl. And where, Where'd she, like, go to school and all she's, that? She's, I don't know where she went to school when she was a kid, but she went to Villa. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, what yeah, I meant. Yeah, like, yeah, she yeah. was a Villa yeah. girl. Which is always kind of cool. Yeah, she played soccer there, yeah. yeah. Shocker. Yeah, I know, really. <laughs> I mean, similarities are kind of, yeah. But, um, you know, it's funny because I graduated from Mercier's in 1990, and she went back to nursing school. 
Okay. And graduated. She went out to Mercier's Northeast and went to nursing school. Yeah. She was a social worker. And um, she graduated in 2005. So every now and then you get mail. It says John Melody, class of 90, and Leanne Melody, class of 2005. And I always think, like, maybe the mailman thinks I'm just a dirty bastard. It's like you're <laughs> robbing the cradle <laughs> here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know, three kids. I have twins that are 10, and uh, my older daughter's 15. Yeah. So yeah. you have Rory. Cloda. Cloda. Maeve is my oldest. Yeah. Daughter. Beautiful kids. Um, yeah. I just remember um, Rory. One, one of the most like sweet moments that I you probably didn't even think that this made any impression on you, but I took the boys. Um, actually, I think it was one of their birthdays. I think it was Anthony. So this is a long time ago. They were still at Erie day school and you had us in that back room. We had the, like the wax sticks, yeah, the wiki and, sticks. Yeah. yeah. And Rory melody was walking around on your right side, helping you out. And I yeah. thought that was so cool. And, um, you know, I, I, my dad never took me to work with him. And what, I mean, I was, cause I was always in school and stuff like right. that. And he was a teacher. So I kind of knew what he did. Um, I don't think kids, unless they like go, cause they're, when they're in school, they know what the teacher does. So, um, you took your son to work and I have since taken several of my sons to yeah. work. And I, actually, even before we came back to Pennsylvania and Michigan, I would have my boys go, go into the hospital on me when I was still taking call and, we would round on a Saturday and we'd go get donuts before and hot chocolate for them, coffee for me, and they'd put their little white coats on. So it was just like, but yeah. that was really special to me to see him walking around with you, proud of you, and learning, like life lessons, not but textbook I, I, stuff. Yeah, no, but I would think, you know, it's back to, I don't like sitting in the classroom. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm not saying did, he's the same. Were you like, church. come with me? Or did he say, Dad, I want to go with you? Oh, it's, it's both. I mean, but right now to the point of like, he is... If I go home, say, when he gets home from school or, or, or during the summer, there's times he goes, you going back to work? I go, yeah, yeah. And the next thing, he's straight upstairs. He's got his John Russell shirt on, his Super <laughs> 6 shirt on. That's awesome. And he's all logoed up. And so to the point now where people who are like, oh, hey, John, where's Rory? So, I mean, this is really cool because this could be like generational, as you were just mentioning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, I, I would be shocked if he doesn't do this just yeah, because yeah, yeah. he yeah. obviously enjoys it coming in and seeing what you do and like it's just like being with dad too yeah but right? it's it's you know it's, it's funny like you know he's a kid he's 10 like we're not going to uh you know tell him what his life path is by any stretch of the imagination but he's two of his favorite people are my business partner you know russ stackowitz and our maintenance guy who's james james and james can build anything fix anything anything like that so if wow. he is so we were recently at public house and and um, I pulled in, and, and both James and Russ were standing there talking, and he couldn't get out of the car quick enough, you know what I mean? Because his two favorite people were there. and, and just like, Were you like, hey, but, Rory, I'll meet you inside? Yeah, no, exactly, <laughs> because he's like, you know, he, he loves the building part of it. I mean, he's 10 years old. He's got three saws in the basement. I'm like, I'm, I'm probably, you might have to see him for another reason. But likes building, likes being involved, likes the people thing. That's how so, I was as so, a kid, So, John. you know, so I just want to kind of, you know, absorb him and all of that, you know, um, and just, you know, whatever way the cards fall, the cards yeah, fall. Yeah, it's not, you, you don't force anybody anyway. Yeah. Like, they'll their path will lead them. And as a kid, I was the kid down in my dad's workshop building stuff, but I would tear stuff apart. Like, I would get a remote control car. I would tear it apart. My sister's like, what are you doing destroying that? I'm like, well, I'm going to make a B-52, and yeah. I needed four motors, so I had to take <laughs> four cars apart. Yeah. And I yeah. went in for my science project, which won, like, the, the my buddy just brought that up to me. 
literally earlier this year because it was that memorable. He's like, Ryan, you remember you built that? It was a B-52 bomber, I believe, and it had the four prop planes. And I, I took a old, like, um, it was a huge, uh, not a wrapping paper roll, but it was probably three feet long, trimmed it up. I took my mom's old, remember how they would sell, like, nylons and that, like, little egg, and they'd have the egg shell. So I took one of the clear eggshells on the front because it had the glass bubble on the front of the plane. I built the cockpit and this plane, I, I hung it in my classroom. Everybody else is like bringing in little drawings. Yeah, and stuff yeah, like this. yeah. I bring this thing in. It's like, <laughs> Ryan Molly, go big or go home. Yeah. And my buddy Jeff Schmidt, the point guard on my basketball team in high school, brought this up to me. He's like, dude, you remember that B-52 you built? He's like, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. So like your son... I love where he's at because he's 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 absorbing a lot right now. Well, that's just it, and that's all you want him to do is kind of give him a little bit of real world experience, and you know, yeah, let, let him figure out the rest, right? Yeah, yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. So, next thing we do, and I know you're you said you may not be prepared because you're going to work possibly, maybe, but um, the the seventh inning sawbones shoe stretch is uh, nice. for those out there. I have a huge shoe obsession. Um, it's my one little vice. I, I, I collect shoes, particularly Jordan shoes. I guess that's my only shoe collection I have. But um, my guests, I ask them to either bring or wear a pair of their favorite shoes or something that has a story to them. And when you first came in, I was just like, oh, there's nothing. But actually, there's so much that I can think of now. But Because you said they're your work shoes. You're going to go to work. Yeah. So what are you wearing? And I am. what's your <laughs> yeah. story? Yeah. My story is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a major shoe guy. Any, Most of my guests aren't. Yeah, by any stretch of the imagination. But I am wearing Echoes because I find they are the most comfortable work shoe. Because you know when I'm at work and you're you're you know you're on your feet a lot, and it's just nice and simple. They're you know I don't get too excited. They're black. They're, they're, they're black. They're classic. They're probably what yeah. I mean classic. Like they're that you could wear that ten years ago and you can wear that ten years yeah, from now. Yeah, and I literally I think this is probably my fourth pair of the same shoe. I go to Shoe Fly, you, which is next to John Russell. Do you buy them all at the same time? I don't. No, uh, okay. no, no. no. I, but I literally will walk in and go, I need a pair of these, and they'll hand them to me, and I just take the old pair and go, you can recycle those. What like, do they do I, with I, I will walk out with the new pair on. I don't know what they do. Throw them in the garbage. I don't know what they do with them. Yeah. But I literally walk out with the new pair of shoes on. And they're the yeah. same. Do they, any slight modifications? No, no, not recently. I mean, I had, you know... It's funny because I, I can remember when... when um, but you found a shoe that fits your foot. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I got married, I, I had um, my sister, as I just alluded to, is in the fashion business. Yeah. And she's like, you have to have a nice pair of shoes. And she, she took me into town. I was in Dungarvan and bought a nice pair of shoes. And I liked them so much that I bought another pair and another, bought another pair. And then the black pair, I bought a brown pair the same. So I had a black pair and a brown pair. And then literally last week, maybe two weeks ago, they both shit the bed at the same time. The, the, the soles just oh, cracked no. in half. So now I have to wait till I go home till my... Is that to, the only place you can get those? It's not, probably, but I, I kind of trust my sister to tell yeah. me what's, what I should be wearing in that regard. You know what I mean? So but if I have to go shopping for something then. nice, then, I mean, I have other shoes, but as regards dress shoes with a suit, yeah, I leave that to her. And then if, you know, if I don't like them and she likes them, I go, then I'll wear them because I know they're nice. Yeah. It's well, simple enough, really. They're uh, a classy shoe. Yeah, they're I'm just sure the middle of the road, and that's okay. And, and comfy, right? Yeah, get oh the yeah. job done. That's it. Have to be on your feet a lot. 
so these are the Jordan ones. So I'm obviously a Jordan guy and probably have more Jordan ones than any other um, Jordan particular sh- uh, year shoe. And where did that come from? What? The Jordan the collection? Jordan thing. Oh, my God. You need to watch episodes 1 through 16 to get, right, get where that came from. I swear to God, I'm the only guy. That was Netflix, right? Yeah, the the um, Last Dance. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. You haven't watched it? No. I, I think I'm the only guy in North America that doesn't have Netflix. Well, you need to watch that. Yeah. And you'll understand time. why. But, like, yeah. he is single-handedly, outside of, like, any family member or friend, the major reason I am where I am. Right. And mean that it's, it may sound like so silly because it was just like a person that I never knew or probably never will know, but um, major influence on just my my work ethic and my my just I, I want to be the best at what I can do and 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 it's not like I want to necessarily yeah I do want to be better than that person but like I want to max maximize my potential right right and and I realize so my go back potential. to Jordan so who's the most famous person you've ever met. Oh, Magic Johnson. Oh, yeah. And, okay. uh, I have photos just, of him out there. Okay. Tracy McGrady. He scored the day I met him, photo out there. I'm in my scrubs. Scored 71 points that day. Um, I've been in the room at like speeches and stuff like that, but like those were like handshakes, photos with, with people. Yeah, How about yeah. yourself? Um, most famous person I actually was fortunate enough to meet Pele. Oh, wow. And sat with him like we're sitting together. How long did you talk to him? Six, seven, eight, nine minutes. Yeah, it was. I have a photo related. Yeah, yeah. And he's very broken English, but he was an Umbro rep or he was kind of sponsored by Umbro. And when I was at Mercer's, we were sponsored by Umbro. So I ended up in a room with 15 people and everybody was all over him. And I just kind of was like, fucking hell, that's Pele. And he saw me and he was like, come over here. And I have a picture with Pelly reading a Mercierist, you know, media guide from wow. our soccer team. That's going to be yeah. one of your most cherished items. Well, it's it's, and, and again, I don't I don't do heroes. I mean, people would often say, "Don't meet your heroes because they let you down." And not that yeah. Pelly was ever a hero of yeah. mine. I mean, I, I, you know, I didn't see him play. I mean, there's obviously limited footage of him. I thought Maradona was. For me, Maradona was the best player that ever played. People okay. will say Messi. People will say different things, but. I thought what Maradona was able to do was just incredible. Yeah, and that's but, how but to meet Pele was was just, you know, a humbling experience, I suppose, because like the, you're sitting with a legend, a legend, yeah. a, a living legend at the time. And you're right, like don't meet your heroes because you're probably going to get disappointed. Yeah. Like they're still human beings, right? Yeah. Like, like, they're not gods or anything like that. Um, they shouldn't be idolized. But Jordan was mine just because of his uh, drive, his success. So yeah. these are the Jordan one uh, low. And they call them the cast. It's a silver gray kind of combo. They talk about a, a hemp canvas and a suede uh, toe box, but something you can wear. And uh, they're super comfy. But um, next section, I don't even know what we're going to do yet, but I'm going to leave it up. I'm going to give John like a couple options because I think we, we could have some cool things here. But it is the, um, the Sawbones Challenge. The Sawbones Challenge. What's so, Sawbones? Just so, because you Sawbones? Yeah, this is the name of the podcast. You okay. should probably know that this right. is what you're on. It's called okay. a Sawbones. But yeah, right. Jared Oaks gave me that nickname. The Sawbones. That's right. Real quick story before the do the Sawbones. Halloween so, is coming. Yeah. Um, when I graduated medical school, Jared knew what I was going into, orthopedic surgery. And he came, came up and he goes, congratulations, hey, Sawbones. And to most people, they're <laughs> like, all right, he's Sawbones. But there is a Hank Williams Jr. song um, called 
um, family tradition. And at the very end, they talk about going out, getting drunk, this, that, like any other country song. And he, he says, I was in the hospital and talks about women or booze, killing them. And he goes, he's talking to this doctor and they used to call doctors sawbones, not even just like orthopedic surgeons, but all doctors. And he goes, Hey, sawbones, just leave me alone. I'm just uh, making a family tradition. And so my buddy, the theme song for this podcast uh, is my buddy singing his own rendition and mixing into the orthopedic world. So sawbones challenge coming up. It's going to be fun. Um, who so Sawbones Challenge should be, I feel, something like quick fire questions. Like Oh no, it's it's yeah. a competitive event. Okay. So it's gonna be even more fun than that. Okay. Okay. But uh, we'll be right back and uh, then we're gonna do our conclusion and give you a little sneak peek into who our next week's guest is. So stay tuned. We'll be back soon. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. This week for the Sawbones Challenge. The boys are going to battle it out in an intense game of foosball. Let's see how Sawbones' foosball skills stack up against the Hall of Fame soccer player and coach. Sawbones just didn't have what it takes. Um, I took another beating tonight. What what am I going to say? And um, John, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, this my first podcast, first podcast, possibly my last. You said you it never. when we first started, but di- all right, you never know. Honest answer. You're on camera right now. You don't have to think about that though. Just think, the cameras are off. Did you enjoy this? I did. Was this fun? 
I did. Because this is honestly probably one of the most... Every, I almost feel like every episode I do becomes a little bit more fun. They get a little longer, but it's just like, it's so good to get to know people. Yeah. Hear your story, share your story. Um, we've had an opportunity to like share a lot of off-screen stuff that you guys unfortunately won't get to hear, but that's cool. I kind of yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of the deep cut stuff, but I always ask my guests at the very end, like, all right, John Melody, five, ten years from now, and um, most of my guests are that uh, we have kids, right? right? So I feel like a lot of that is related to them because you're like, okay, well, Rory's in fifth grade right now; he's ten, going to be eleven, so. Five years from now, he'll still be in high school. You're calculating. Yeah, and your, yeah. Your daughter. Um, it's just like, where are they going to be? So I, I would suspect you're probably still in Erie. But you tell me, where do you see yourself in yeah. five to ten years? Um, you or, never, or are you a day-by-day guy? You, yeah, yeah. You never I'm a day-by-day guy. Yeah, you never know. Um, there would be no reason to not see me in Erie. But, you know, it's what I talked about earlier. He's like, you know, I... I another opportunity comes along something else happens i mean i don't know i don't know i mean you know my parents are you know mid 80s right now should i spend a little bit of time back in ireland you know i'd I'd like to have the best of both worlds and i feel like the best of both worlds would be just that a bit of time here a bit of time over there and as i get older and you have to operate on more bones that i have maybe a little bit of time down south and um do you have you an know, area down south that no, you and your wife really. enjoy no not at all it's not I mean, like we like hilton head or we no. like you know myrtle beach no, or no. florida i think every time we go to florida we go to a different city and and, and they all i mean uh, tampa has been the one that's kind of jumped out at me and kind of gone have you been to I burns like have i been to burns steakhouse i have i will tell uh, i have and that is was it spectacular it was spectacular okay good because i was we, like we, please we, tell me it wasn't we were going to florida and going to tampa and i'd been to burns many 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 years ago and i wanted to take my wife and kids to burns and i couldn't get it couldn't get a reservation oh it's like three four months in advance you gotta get a reservation so i called and i called and i called and i i eventually the girl goes you know what if you jump on right now you get a reservation on tuesday and we went there and and um i can remember rory who just spoke about he goes this smells like grandma in here And that's how but, old it is, and that's how. But it's but cool, it, isn't it? It is it, just another. I mean, I have so many pictures on my phone from Burns. What a great experience! But so, I, I mean, that's what you want to give your experience. So five, ten years for me, you want to give your kids good experiences. So do you do you travel quite a bit with them? Uh, when we can, yeah. But I'm, you know, we were just in Antigua. We go to Costa Rica next year, um, and and we go to Ireland every year. You know, so for me, it's like it's it's Ireland plus another trip and i just want them to i want them to be out of the comfort zone a little bit yeah i want them to be a bit more worldly and i just it's it's north america is brilliant there's no doubt about that i mean it's the opportunities in this countries are wonderful but i want them to see other parts of the world and kind of go you know make up your own mind after that but exactly I want to give them expose every, them right expose them a- an is, opportunity is, is is the best way of putting it expose them so it's funny because i i said to karen the other day and we've done this like we love to travel personally but we want to teach our kids and, and show our kids that the world is uh, it's funny how you, wherever your perspective is like you can say the world's small because you, you know somebody from this part and the other part of the world and they know somebody that grew up in your town like your little west indies story right, right. but the end of the day the cultures are amazing too so we went to italy for two weeks uh this time of year last year we were going to greece because i'm italian my wife's greek we're going to greece next summer so not every year 
but we, we're going to Mexico for like President's Day. We've done that several times. Um, I love to expose the, expose the boys to different cultures, to different foods, to different um, just everything, right? Yeah. Because it makes them more worldly. And um, like you, you said it, like at the end of the day, you choose what makes sense for you. It's just like you don't have to stay here. Well, you at least come every once in a while and visit me and maybe change yeah, my diaper, but yeah, not, yeah, not every yeah, day. No. I mean, I have nothing but good things to say about your EPA. And I said this when, you know, when I was in, inducted into the Hall of Fame, of all the places I could have ended up, your EPA wasn't so bad. Yeah. I always say Erie is easy, right? The people yeah. are nice. People are generally willing to help you out. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just easy. It's not too big. It's not too small. You can get from one area to the other area pretty easily. It is. But I, I think anything is what you make it. You know yeah, I mean? it you, is. You, you know, you treat people well. You, you get treated well yourself. I mean, I have... I have way, way, way more good stories than bad stories I have in this country. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's you know, start as you mean to go on. I say this to people all the time. Yeah. It's just start as you mean to go on. So, you know, roll it out and, you know, it's good. It's all good. John, thanks for being on. Yeah, thanks for having um, me. Stay tuned. We're going to do our preview for next week's guest. Um, pretty cool, amazing, successful individual. We'll catch you soon. Have a great night. It was uh, great back in the day, you know, with uh, no phones to distract you or anything. We just, that's what we did every day and uh, just had a blast. I, I want to talk about my mom and dad. My mom was a special person, lived to 101 wow. and uh, amazing lady and a good mother. And then my dad was a very special person. He introduced me to hunting and loved me playing all the sports and my brothers playing all the sports that we played. And uh, he was a special guy, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about one of the elk hunts we were on. And uh, he was a World War II guy, Battle of the Bulge, 101st wow. Airborne, and uh, he was a pretty amazing man, a hard worker. And he instilled in us three boys nothing but hard work. That's what makes you successful. What was your favorite team from, from the Maplewood? I mean, uh, I don't want to say favorite, but most yeah. memorable maybe. I, I, you know what, my first championship with Mark and those guys – the second championship was it was back to back was uh, Gary Groshner senior year. I remember those guys, Danny Boyd and that crew, Oral Willie. Those guys were fun to fun to coach. Um, the Locke brothers were good and uh, Plylers and they and uh, then and then we had a stretch where we won six straight conference championships and uh, the Hulk brothers, Greg and Tim. Tim. Greg was a great. Point guard, Donnie Plyler, Steve Kerberger, Jimmy, the Kurt brothers, Jimmy and Kevin Kurt. So Todd Ferrari was on the team. Oh, he was yeah. a great player. Uh, Johnny Burchard. John, where, where, John, was well, he a little Johnny, older? Johnny, Jeff Moyer, Tom Herring, those oh, guys. Yeah. We won back-to-back league championships with those guys, and they were all those kids were just great. But did you get your 500th win with the state championship? Yeah, when we won that game, which we never talked about it, I didn't bring it up to the kids at all. You know, I didn't want to. The that, state that championship game was your 500th victory? 500th victory, yeah. How sweet is that? Yeah. And what was in the neatest thing about it was my dad was in the stands with some high school buddies of mine, uh-huh. and, my, and Nathan was in the stands, and Nick was on the team. And uh, so we, they give out the medals, and somebody told the announcer that it was my 500th victory. So the announcer goes, how sweet it is in Hershey, Pennsylvania. (laughs) This is Coach Bill Hager's 500th victory.
Tell me all about it, Doc. 